Hello, everyone. Welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It is August the 18th of 2021, and you couldn't stop us from talking about this. You sent storms to Chris. You sent a plague at me. <laughs> a very small, less effective plague, but a plague at me. And then when neither of those worked, because we moved the battle lines and we're just going to talk about them a week later, you sent the storm to me <laughs> instead. And you can't do that to a Floridian. Our power lines are made of sturder stuff. You got to send a hurricane. At, don't do that. Don't send. I was going to say, send. isn't there no, a hurricane no, no, coming? No. I have visited Florida once and it was during hurricane season. It's not fun. Imagine living here. I know, right? No. Why would I? I couldn't, I couldn't go to the beach at all that week. <laughs> that doesn't stop a lot of people. No, it doesn't. There are still people going all the time, but it's raining. I didn't get it. Chris, yeah. who's this strange voice that we have joining us this week? Uh, well, guys, we've got a big guest on this episode. You might uh, notice them. This is uh, Hollywood actor uh, Ed Asner is here with us. Okay. How you doing? Um, my name is Ed. Nice to meet you all. Uh, yep. Yes, I've been playing the role of Checking 101 for about 12 years now. Um, he's but, been yeah. method for a while. Andy Kaufman didn't die. He, he's been laying real low, and now this, he's uh, revealing the bit. This is not my bedroom. This is a Hollywood set. I'm just really, really committed to the bit, you know? Oh, wait, no, I think it is just Tekken 101. No, I, was, I, wasn't, I wasn't supposed to reveal that uh, Andy Coffin was still alive. How dare so you? It's, yeah. It's, it's, 12 it's, years of acting down the toilet. <laughs> but hey, guys, thanks for having me back on. Uh, yeah, Bleach is back. So, you know, that warrants it, I suppose. <laughs> is Bleach back? Question mark. Yes, it is. All it's right. Not even, it's not even back question mark. It's back dot dot dot. Yes, it is. That yeah. was Very yeah, distinction. The, the most important dot 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 of all time. When I did my review, I just titled it chapter 687 because it's chapter 687. There you go. Yes. So, yes, we have a special chapter of Bleach that came out, honestly, with without a lot of forewarning, I would say. I think it was like news came out like the week prior that this was happening, I think. It was really soon. Everyone was really freaked out because everyone knew the anime's coming back, but like, right. and he was doing Burn the Witch, but like, special one-shot chapter, that came mm -hmm. out of the blue. Yeah. It was not part of the uh, big uh, 20th anniversary celebration announcement that they did last year, if I remember correctly. They no, announced no, this, the this Burn the Witch out. manga series, the Burn the Witch OVA, and the Bleach anime series returning, and there was no hint of this happening, but here it is. Uh, it's a Bleach chapter, 20 years after its initial uh, chapter was published, set in the future of the manga series, and seemingly setting up for a storyline, which wasn't really expected, but here we are. But very I mean, welcome. I mean, like, you know, there's other ways uh, Kubo could have done it. Like, he could have just made it a fun little 20th anniversary special, but he set up a lot of stuff with this, so I don't think this is going to be the only one. And uh, guess what? As it so happens, because we delayed a week, uh, we also have a chapter of Boruto to talk about. So, <laughs> you're talking about Naruto and Bleach in One Piece, and I don't know if anything has changed in the past 10 years. So. <laughs> the, the revival of the big three for one time only. 
was going to say, we could talk about the new Dragon Ball chapter. Uh, it's the same thing as has been happening <laughs> I, in Dragon Ball for the past 15 years. So I read that today, <laughs> and it was a little infuriating there, yeah. <laughs> should, should we see if Oba and Obata have put up uh, something uh, just to, you know, get round out the original lineup? Is, is yeah. Shima Bukuro doing anything? No, he there, got canceled there, because there, that series sucked. There is a, a Nisekoi thing coming out. Actually, That's soon. true. There is oh, some yeah, for the Nisekoi really? person. I, I heard well, that it's, about, it's, yeah, yeah. The, the Nisekoi author drawing a One Piece thing, basically. Oh, okay. They're All drawing, right. like, the Vivi scene, I think. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. It'll be interesting to see that next week. But anyhow, we have a lot to talk about this week, because in addition to the Weed chapter, there's, like, 13 other chapters that we have to go through. So I think that we'll just get this started and talk about... Bleach! No breathes from hell! No breaths from hell. I keep saying breaths, but it sounds like breasts. So just no breathes from hell. There's an E in it, so it's no breathe. I was going to say, hell. it's no breathes, isn't it? I don't know. I assume <laughs> it was supposed to be breaths, but it's not his native language. So, <laughs> Well, Kubo keeps on trying to incorporate all these different languages into Bleach. So maybe he was like getting confused with the way that like verb conjugation works. This sounds more yeah. like like a Spanish sentence than anything. A little bit. It might also be intentional because I feel like Kubo seems to thrive off of the weird, like, you know, quasi-English butchering that sometimes comes of his titles. He titles his chapters like they were supposed to be tracks on, like, a CD or an album or something. So, yeah. you know, I, I would totally pick up No Breves from Hell in the store. I mean, that seems like a pretty cool title. Yeah. I feel like you very easily at some point like, if you were Kubo, you could have just asked somebody. You'd be like, hey, does this make sense in English? And the person's like, no, is this the word? <laughs> like, and he, the fact that he's not seems to indicate that he's like, no, very cool with how this is coming off. He's <laughs> like, no, I want it to sound as ridiculous and awesome as possible. Every chapter is a metal album cover. Just and roll with it. Yeah. So... I'm not going to go through this whole chapter blow by blow. If you would like a blow by blow analysis, you can check out Ticking 101's YouTube channel where he spent 80 minutes doing that. <laughs> you saw it. <laughs> I almost died of heat exhaustion. It was a fun one. <laughs> and this is a long chapter. This chapter is the length of, I mean, okay. So it's, it's a bleach like chapter. Like this is the, this chapter is about the length of like three normal manga chapters and about six bleach chapters. So there are a lot of things that happen in this. I'll try and hit the important points. But other than that, I'm just kind of kind of go through the major beats. So we start off with this ominous uh, metaphor that is done from a narrator whom we are never actually given confirmation of their identity, who says that they used to have two goldfish. The bigger one died. And while sad initially, the smaller one then began to thrive. And so the conclusion of the narrator draws from this is, it was good that the larger goldfish died. Ominous. <laughs> so death can be a good thing. The death that's, of the of the strong and powerful can be a good thing. That's like a, a philosophy question, isn't it? You know, let's kill some goldfish, Nick. I'm gonna go to pet. I'm gonna go to PetSmart and just start strangling fish. And every time I kill one, I'm just gonna look at the like the employee and say, yeah, "This is a good thing I'm doing." Leave one alive, and yet yes. it is a good thing you'll be doing. Yes. Yeah, I'll kill 17 fish, leave one alive, and then I walk out and I expect a medal. Instead, the police are there with no medal, just guns. <laughs> because you killed fish. <laughs> Almost all of them, but not all of them. It was a good thing I did. Oh, In my, my defense, I left one alive to yeah. suffer. 
<laughs> to no, tell to the thrive, tale. Nicholas, to thrive. Yeah, but there was a goldfish, so I forgot all about what it had. I forgot all about it. Oh, man. So then we get into the actual, like, events of the chapter, beginning with a scene involving Kazui, who is Ichigo Narihime's son, introduced in the very finale of Bleach, uh, that creepy kid who would not change his goddamn facial expression. The eyes. The eyes. He's He's going to bed. Arihime is checking up on him to make sure that he's asleep. Then she sees Kon, who also stays with Kazui in his room, and it's like, oh, thanks for playing with him again today, Kon. Good night. She closes the door. Bye, Arihime. Yep, she's gone. We're going to see a little bit later that if you marry a Shonen Jump protagonist, you just don't do anything after that. Well, hey. At least she shows up in the chapter, which is more than can be said for other members of the Karakura Town group. You know, if you were like, I hope I want to see how Chad's boxing career is going. Like, no, you won't get that. But what about traveling? What about Kago's career as a food sales thing or whatever? (laughs) Like, yes. So Kazui bolts out of bed. He's, he's been playing on sneaking out, which Khan gets mad at him for. But Kazui says that he's made a promise to someone that he's going to go and visit them tonight. Khan says, well, what's more important? Your promise to them or your promise to your mom to go to bed? And Kazui says, the promise I made first. Listen here, little shit. You fucking go to bed. You are 12 <laughs> at most. Oh, he's he's younger than that. He's like six. He he's like into kindergarten. Yeah, really. Yeah. We're going to learn some things about this kid. And, uh, it's bad that he is like this. Oh, yes. So he leaves. Spectral fish appear beneath him as he dives down. He lands on the back of the bigger one. So, hmm. Goldfish? Hmm. I don't know. Uh, Khan decides to go with him rather than just being left behind. And so he goes and he meets with the spirit of a dead guy who is on, on the curb. Very similar to, you know, the first spirit that we saw Ichigo interacting with, except that this guy is a weird Afro dude in a Hawaiian shirt. And uh, he claims to be 15, which he clearly isn't. And so Cosby's like, you're not 15. Which, shut up, kid. So, but Cosby uh, says that uh, he can't come and see him anymore, but he's going to come and take him to a place where he won't be on his own anymore. So he takes him to a shrine and he leads him to this tiny little altar that is just beside the shrine. And he says, yeah, there's this ritual you need to do. And so he performs the ritual and a mouth opens up in space. So I was wondering initially if this was just a garganta. Yeah. But as you pointed out in your videos, Hacking, it has teeth. And that is different from any regular Garganta that we have seen, except for the one that we see later. So, no, there is something nefarious and bad about this portal that opens up. And also four of the hell butterflies come out of it, too, which we're going to find out those are relevant now. Also, so, several yeah. eyes appear around Kazui. Yeah, that's uh, not creepy at all. <laughs> so we get our title page, which makes perfect sense in English. It's OK, Kubo. Then we get a little bit of a flashback to three hours earlier in the day, and we see Ichika, Rukia, and Renji's kid. She's doing some training with Ikaku, who uh, is, I guess, just her regular sparring partner and instructor and stuff. So showing her how to how to sword fight and stuff. She has a vi- this 
much more charming, arrogant attitude than Kazui does because she's like basically building them up as if, oh, she's 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 always been beating Ikaku this whole time. But he's showing market improvement. Ikaku's like, I hold back on you because you're a kid. And I'm your teacher, you stupid brat. She's definitely Renji's kid. Like you oh. can see it. Yeah. There's a lot of Rukia in there too, though, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. that uh, in that attitude of just looking down on this guy that and with this mocking behavior that you can't help but find charming. Yeah, but you could never pull this off. Basically, is what I'm saying. Um, she tries to uh, pull a fast one on him by pretending to fall off of a roof and instead trying to strike him, and he's like, "No, I saw that coming." So it doesn't work. So it's it's neat. It's nice. Uh, Ikaku brings up uh, Ichigo's kid, and Ichigo goes, Baka, I don't care about him, Baka, because, you know. Now, she's so, also, like, she's also, well, I, I guess it's Soul Society, I guess it doesn't really follow the exact same logic, but should she also be aged around the same kind of level as him? I, I have no idea how it works. I think it's like you get to a certain age and you just stay like in your 20s because Biakia was a kid and then he's like in his 20s right now, but he was a kid like 100 years ago. I don't know how it works. Yeah. You could almost say that certain details about the way that the word of bleach work are left nebulous and not explained until they become convenient to explain. So then you can do any storytelling decision you want. It's kind of genius when you think about it. Yeah. yeah. I'm not actually being critical. I'm just, I'm just acknowledging that. No, that does come up a lot, you know. Um, But yeah, I mean, it happens. Yumichika shows up at that point. Yumichika seems to have a much better relationship with Ichika than Ikaku does. Uh, Also, Ichika calls Yumichika Chika, which I'm sure doesn't get confusing at all. But maybe that's just their thing. They just call each other Chika. But, uh, Yumichika has come to bring up something to Yukaku, which is important, which is the console race Sai, which is a thing that at the very same moment, Renji is on the phone explaining this to Ichigo. So. All right. Time for lore. <laughs> Renji says that 12 years after a captain is lost in battle, they perform this ceremony. And Ichigo says, well, this is the first I'm hearing of it. And Renji says, me too. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I mean, all right. I mean, to be fair, they specify captain killed in battle. And yeah, you're right. I mean, it's been a while. We've never seen a captain killed in battle until the very end of Bleach. They, you know, like Aizen and stuff, they defected. So, yeah. Gin died. Yeah, but he wasn't a captain. He defected. <laughs> so for the reasons that they explain it seems like it shouldn't make a difference yeah it matters <laughs> no i guess that the boundaries of hell will uh, you know they, they see that little name tag they're like oh okay yeah he wasn't a captain he he, he wasn't wearing the hayori when he died so there you go there you go nick come on that's technicality <laughs> so so but Renji does explain a point that does, in the general sense of things, make sense, which is, yeah, captains don't really die a lot because they're so powerful. But when they do, we have to do this this ceremony for them. And uh, so uh, Renji then brings up, why is it noisy over on that side of the line? And Ichigo says, yeah, Keigo opened up a ramen shop the other day and he hasn't had any customers because he's Keigo and he can't be allowed to succeed at anything ever. He'll get there someday, Nick. He'll get there someday. 
How old is he now? Uh, they're like 28, 29 years old, maybe 30 yeah. at most. Yeah, something yeah. like that. But he needs to have better friends, is my point. Because they've they're come there. They're they're trying to help him, yeah. Nick. Mizuiro's being a dick about Oh, he's this. always like that. Ryu might get a cameo here in this scene. You see a guy in the background that kind of looks like Ryu, but we don't see his face. I'm just going to assume that's Ryu. Yeah. Yeah. It does look like his hair. And if they say that, like, Keigo doesn't really have any other customers, then yeah. it's probably Ryu. He's there, he's there on his lunch break from the hospital. There you go. Um, unless this turns out to be the long-awaited reappearance of Ryo Kunieda, the girl from their class who could sprint good. So. Oh, yeah, I remember her. She was She was cool. Yeah, I studied up all on them, and Chris didn't bring them up during the Wii Trivia Contest. So, uh... <laughs> Sucks also, suck, so... nerd. She's not even the most obscure character among them. There was, like, some oh, other... Was the girl she hung out with, whose name I forget, and then there was another girl that was just also there. But anyway. Yep. So... Renji essentially says, so as part of the ceremony, we have to go out and capture a hollow to come and kill at the captain that we're holding the ceremony for their grave site. So I'm inviting you to attend this whole ceremony. Uh, normally only captains are to take part in it, but and, and you're not an outsider when it comes to Captain Ukitake, which. It bugs me because I understand what's going for here. Ichigo did seem to have a level of understanding with Ukitake, um, but we really never saw them interact outside of yeah. like one conversation. It is it is kind of annoying. Um, I mean, maybe they did interact a lot more, like, I don't know, off screen or something, but pretty much only that happened was Jushiro gave him the combat pass. Like, here's your combat pass. Cool. I mean... Bye. You'd say that it's like the most interaction that Ichigo really had with any of the dead captains, but there was also the time that he and Unohana were together in the Garganta. Yep. Like that's almost as much interaction right there. Honestly, so yeah, really. It's yep. uh, it's a it's a little bit of a of a shortcoming because certain uh, certain relationships were not as explored as much as we're meant to think that they were. But whatever. Maybe the way Renji's looking at it is like, hey, Ukitake chose you or something. So, you know, maybe he would want you to be here. Maybe that's the best way of looking at it. Yeah, there is some form of established connection between them, whatever. But anyway, Rukia shows up then because, of course, she and Renji are married. She has a side ponytail now and she is living her best life, watching trash TV, saying that Ichigo's going to get cucked. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> She's trying which, to figure out how smartphones work, which is very adorable. <laughs> yeah, because uh, there has been a lot of technological developments in the social society. It's just been established in the last 10 years because Urahara moved over and Yamamoto stopped being in charge of things and making things stupid unnecessarily. Um, but yeah, apparently she's been heavily influenced by soaps, which given how little we've seen of Urihime, hmm, maybe she's onto something. Anyway. Also, Mayuri has bugged literally everyone's barracks because he's Mayuri and everyone just kind of eh. they, they, they raise a fuss about this, but they don't do anything about it when you, you could you could you could do something about this, but they don't. Could anyway. you really? He's Mayuri. He's like, if you squash my bugs, more will take their place. After a while, you're just like, oh, fine. Let him do whatever. <laughs> <laughs> gotta, gotta let the guy live, Nick. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we gotta, there's we gotta there's a clause. There's yeah. like when the Soul Society was founded, 
there was like a clause so like you got to have one crazy asshole at all times like yep. i know you don't like him but there's just got to be one who's just fucking crazy and probably really dangerous like probably yeah. really dangerous oh extraordinarily you, dangerous you yeah. just got to keep him around i'm sorry like it's just it's tradition do you think that you can handle Mayuri's holographic projector spy device thing the way that you do with like webcams that you don't want oh, to be yeah. spying? You just put a little bit of tape on the thing when you're not using it <laughs> and uh, it just can't come out. And uh, there you go. He would, I mean, maybe, but he would just develop some other way to get around it. Like the fly has like multiple eyes that appears out of it or something like, yeah. Or you could just kill him. Mayuri or the fly? Mayuri. Oh, all right. Well, good luck with that. You've got your horror now. <laughs> all right. So we could do cut around to the various different barracks. People are reacting to this news, including we see that Ichika is actually spying over oh, spying on this conversation when she sees her mom and dad looking, uh, getting it. She also thinks that Mayuri is cool, which goes to show that uh, she's not perfect. Um, so. Yeah, these are the guidance. The dude's the dude's cool fights and abilities, but he literally committed like genocide. So maybe not the best role model in the world. You know, not not probably not shouldn't be allowed around children. That does no, seem like a big flaw. Not. Literally any other captain would be a better role model. Like I would prefer Ichika hang out with Kempachi before Mayori. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> well, <laughs> Zoraki knows how to handle children. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because Yachiru. So, yeah, that would be perfect. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Actually, I thought of an amazing idea. What if Nemu, the new Nemu, comes over for play dates with each other? Oh, my God. That would be adorable. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's have that. My assistant captain tells me that this is important. I don't know why. The last Nemu turned out just fine. <laughs> Maybe some social interaction with someone your own age is, a, is, is good for your development or something. Crazy idea. But uh, the important thing that happens here as we're cutting around to all the different uh, places is we are introduced to the new vice captain of the 7th Division, who yes. serves under Eva Atau, who is deaf. Uh, and uh, this is one of two lieutenants that we're introduced to in this, and not in this sequence, but in this chapter. And uh, Atau is the better one. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, oh, yeah. I like, yeah, but the other one's very, she's very bubbly. She's going to be fun, I think. But uh, I do like Atau's character more. Yeah. Uh, Hisagi still gets shit on by everyone because he's Hisagi. He is the Keigo of the Soul Society, I guess. Remember, remember at the end of at, at the end of Bleach when he said he mastered Bankai? Um, no. Yeah, but <laughs> anyway, Nick, it's so, one of those volumes people tell you to read a lot. It's, no, it's not. It's, <laughs> it was in Bleach proper. It was. Oh, you mean? No, no, yeah, when he's holding novel, up. In Can't Fear Your Own World, it, it explains what it is. But oh, okay. there you go. Yeah. Is it underwhelming? Oh, you don't know what it is? No. It's actually, I don't read Bleach it, Light it, novels. So. Well, I don't. I actually haven't read the whole thing yet, but it's actually pretty badass. Yeah, I can tell you what it is, maybe, but that would take time. So let's just keep going. No. We have time to fill. We, we cut ahead to they're going to. Why not? They're going to Karakura Town to do this. Of course they are. They have to kill a. They have to capture a hollow, spill its blood in front of a grave. There's only one place you could get a hollow. So it's, why not Karakura Town? It's yeah. it's it's had it easy. It's right there. Look, it's one of those things where you know the Soul Society is supposedly kind of a global thing. Although I guess Burn to Witch seems to suggest maybe it's more regional. So maybe this is just the whole Soul Society for just all of Japan, and it just 
happens that everything that goes down happens in this uh, one town. They did they did explain it at one point. They said like Karakura Town's like special spirit enriched earth and it like changes every few centuries. So it really is just that's the reason all that shit happens there. That's the reason Eisen wanted it. You know, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Well, I thought it was because Don Kenoji was there and he's the most important <laughs> well, character. That's, yeah, that was the that's the cover. It really yeah. is Don Kenoji. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> Ichigo meets with the lieutenants who are tasked with actually capturing the hollows. All the captains remain behind for the next part of the ceremony. So Renji is there. Ikaku's there. Matsumoto's there. Ichigo talks with Matsumoto and Renji because who the fuck else is he going to talk to? I mean, I mean, he could talk to Ikaku. I think that's like the only other person he has any form of rapport with out of the lieutenants. But anyway, so they're talking and they're kind of catching up a little bit. Uh, Ichigo establishes that he is a translator for a living. He has a regular job. He, Renji then introduces him to someone who speaks a different language that Ichigo doesn't speak, so he is bad at his job. He's like, so. he's like, he's like you don't know sign language, but you're a translator. He's like, sorry, man, I don't. I love that I mean, there is an opportunity to follow up, like to introduce a new piece of information about Ichigo and then follow it up as being useful. And he is immediately shown to not be able to do that. I know that translators typically, if you employ them for something, you would not generally have them translate sign language. You would just have a sign language professional do that. Yeah. But the one (laughs) they say his job next panel. Here's a guy who speaks a different language. Don't speak it. Sorry. Sorry, man. I can't help you. You know, so it's rough times. So that's 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 uh, us out. Uh, uh, Rindo, he, he's cool. Let's introduce. So you, you, Yayahara. <laughs> so she is a Gyaru, which is this uh, subculture in Japan that where girls darken their skin and essentially do a sort of take on valley girl kind of thing yeah i guess that's where it started like remember you guys remember the 90s right like that's basically where it started with like the valley girl kind of thing and it got over to japan somehow and then obviously it's been 30 years since the 90s so it's evolved over there but i didn't really understand all of it but yeah so she acts kind of very stereotypically like did he say you know the 90s because we're a lot older than him (laughs) and it was his way to just burn us no he's like you grandpas remember the 90s I just, I feel like you guys, like, I kind of, I, I remember the 90s. I was born in 93. I was like a kid, but I could sort of remember them. You guys would be able to remember them. Ah, uh, yes. The age <laughs> would stop being children, Chris. And <laughs> <laughs> We forgot everything important, Nick. We lost it all. That's right. <laughs> We're wizened and aged. I remember when the internet was just a bunch of bleeps and bloops, and you could go to six websites. I mean, there's really only six that are worth going to today. But, but none of them were porn back then. <laughs> Not even Googles. This is before the old age of Google. This was in the AOL search days. Oh, I remember AOL. Yeah, that little yellow guy. Little little oh, guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, had to tell, you had to tell Dada to get off the phone. Oh, yep. Yep. So, Yu Yu immediately starts doing, like, stereotypical teenage girl kind of things. She's taking selfies with Ichigo without his permission and stuff. Have to say, though, Kubo. 
much more in touch with what youth is actually like than a certain other uh, veteran Shonen Jump author that we have to talk about this week. But anyway, let's move on from there. Ichiga is sneaking around. She has followed uh, her dad out here to just see the action and see what's going on. And uh, as she's kind of just down on the ground spying and looking out at the Soul Reapers who are just casually talking, this bizarre entity appears directly behind Ichigo and Renji without their noticing. It is a skeleton with two rings making up its shoulders and no head, which, okay. Pretty creepy. It attacks them. I mean, yeah. Uh... It attacks them, but when Ichigo tries to call out to Renji and Ichigo a warning, Renji just goes, Ichigo, what are you doing here? And he just gets smacked to the ground by this thing because he has no peripheral vision. And uh, Ichigo deals with it. He's still a strong Soul Reaper guy. He's got his Zanpakuto, which has reverted to its old form. Okay? Yeah. It's that whole It's subplot been 12 was... years. Lots of stuff could have happened. I, I don't have one for that. You think that like two months after that whole thing went down, he was like, well, this was a massive waste of time. Puts it back to normal. Yeah, he's just like, man, I, I dual swords sounded cool at first, but I mean, it's just really impractical if we're being honest. You know, uh, I got to carry every- two things. Fuck this. Yeah. I mean, you just strap another thing to your back. No, I don't want to carry strap? two things if everyone else doesn't have to carry two things. That's bullshit. Or maybe Ichigo, this is like, you know, he's about, he's in his 20s now, so he's like feeling a little bit nostalgic. So he's like, hey, I want to go back to the old, the, the original Zompacho, you know? He just has a quarter life crisis. Yeah, quarter life crisis. Hey, we've been through those. I'm 28. I'm about the age of uh, Ichigo. I'm going to dye my hair black. <laughs> I should do that. <laughs> all right. So all of the other lieutenants react to, oh my God, this massive monster appeared in front of us and we didn't notice it. They say that later on that these things don't give off any spirit pressure, which is why they didn't notice them. But honestly, guys, these things are literally five stories tall. Do you have eyes? Kiona gets beaten up by one of them because what was she going to do? I mean, really? I mean, if you're going to pick one of the lieutenants, I mean, Kione, I mean. The, the one that we know the least about her combat abilities outside of the two newbies and, um, Kubo wanted to show off them. So uh, a fight breaks out. Uh, battle is engaged. We see. Uh, oh, gosh. Real. Re- eh. I go uh, unleashes Shikai, uh, which is very nifty. It turns into what looks like a bunch of uh, Shikigami and then they turn into hawks and the hawks eat the hollow. They just strip the flesh off the bone. It, it's a pretty terrifying uh, ability there. Yeah. It's uh, pretty crazy. Then Yuya, Yuya uh, jumps in and she makes a brar thing. Like she's chomping like crocodile yeah. style. Yeah, yeah. And uh, a spectral mouth seemingly bites off one of the monster's heads. And then it's Dick. Because... Yep. Um, <laughs> that's how she plays. Yeah, I don't think these things had dicks, but like, just it certainly doesn't anymore. Region, no, 100%, <laughs> it's gone now. Yeah. Um, some people have said that like her nails are her Zompacto, which I, I don't know, man, but you know, they look cool. Uh, she did have them before, so it's not her released form, at least. Anyway, 
and then we see Ion, who is Mayuri's new lieutenant, and he does what I guess is a version of an incantation for a keto spell thing. But it's very different from any that we've seen before. He takes out like a bit of chemical and it uh, melts this thing. It's pretty badass. I like to think it's like artificial keto, like Mayuri was messing around, just like make it, you know, like, you know, kind of like ninja tech in Boruto. Oh, my God, I made a Boruto reference. Yeah, I kind of talk about that later. Uh, so all the new lieutenants get to show off and stuff. Then Kira also shows up and he's like, I have a hoodie now. And uh, then I'm super emo. And uh, Renji's like, well, I better see to my daughter and get her to safety. But a chain comes out and wraps around his ankle. And oh, my God, it's Zalaparo Grants. Because if I could if I could choose to see one Espada again, I'm picking Zalaparo Grants. I mean, you could have gone worse. It could have been Zamari. I it, mean, it did. I would have loved to see Zamari. It did amuse me when this character showed up and everyone shouted his name. And for a moment, I thought I had another stroke because I was like, oh, God, letters aren't making sense. I was like, oh, wait, no, <laughs> I, remember, I remember that guy. All right, we're good. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. The dude, the guy with the glasses. Doesn't have his glasses anymore, however, and he's got chain markings going across his skin. And he has a ring behind him as well as well as a bunch of black blobby things floating around him. Zalaporo says, I was cast into hell. Um, and Renji says, what does that mean? Which, good question. Zalaporo says, well, hell is great because you cast away your hollow yoke. My hole is no longer bound to my flesh. It's a hole in, it's a hole not in my body, but outside my body. Which is just a floating ring. There's a floating ring behind him. That's basically what he gets. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that, his, a, isn't that his dick too? Isn't his hole his dick? Oh yeah. Yeah, it was on it was on his glands. It was on like that was the, the medical term that was stated. Yeah. So he's got his dick hole floating behind him. I thought it was his balls, but whichever. It doesn't really matter. His ball, the point is his, his ball his, hole. His, his dick hole is behind. His ball hole is behind him, yeah. Now I can't look away now that I know. <laughs> Can they show that in Shonen Jump? Apparently, Zalaporo says that now his hate and suffering flow out of his brain like tears, which is OK. Also, he makes a face like, eh. yeah, he's, he doesn't seem to hate it very much. Hell seems to be rather pleasant for him. Yeah. Oh, it's pretty so, sweet. Yeah. It has, yeah. good, it has, has good days and it's bad days. Zalaporo, of course, spots that Ichiga is with Renji and he's like, oh, is that who? who's that? Oh, I'm going to. Uh, 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 she's frightened, isn't she? He uses it to mock Renji and stuff. So I understand that the dramatic purpose of it being Zalaporo here is that someone who is a defeated foe from Bleach Past who has a connection to Renji. So, of course, we got a character that Renji beat in battle. Except no, he didn't. So really, this should be master masculine that we should be seeing doing this. And I, uh, I, I honestly just think that Kubo really likes to draw style because remember, like he showed up in that fight with Mayori in the Thousand Year Blood War arc as like an hallucination. I think Kubo just really likes drawing the dude. Yeah, and he just won't fucking go away. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Zalaparo's like, I'm gonna kill your daughter, Aburai Renji, and he sends out chains, and Renji grabs Ichika and tries to get away. A chain pierces his 
ankle, which is not really what chains do, but it does that. Ow, it hurts. Uh, however, Ichigo steps in, slashes the chains to protect his friend, and he's like, get Ichigo to safety. And then Zeoporo goes, I'm going to kill you, Ichigo. And Ichigo's like, I don't know who you are. Which <laughs> makes sense because they never met. So I want Meanwhile, every interaction between characters in the battle manga to be like, ah, you ruined everything. And the other character, I don't know who you are. I'm so I don't <laughs> even know who you are. And that Thanos meme, like, you know, in Scarlet Witch, like that's where it basically, I mean, like that's that this in a nutshell, essentially. Yeah. Or uh, they do the mash reaction. They're like, oh, yeah, you're that Espada. Yeah. We went to, we went to summer camp together. I, I Right? Maybe? <laughs> I bet your name has a lot of consonants in it. Um, or it's a weird name and it doesn't have any consonants in it. It's one of the two. Or you're named after a popular uh, architect from Europe. Maybe. <laughs> All three. That's where Ukiora's name comes from. So, meanwhile, in Soul Society, all the captains are waiting around like, oh, it's taking a long time for them to do that stupid thing. Black Gunk starts floating around them, just like was floating around Zaylaporo. Uh, and Shunsui very dramatically catches some on his sword and explains that it is Phosphoplasm from hell, which he then as if he had this prepared, launches into a speech <laughs> to say, uh, it has been, this is an old wives tale that I will hope that you will humor me by saying. And everyone's like, well, you're our boss, so we have to listen to you. But, but he says, there is something called spirit class, a heretofore unmentioned thing that will be useful for the story about to unfold. So now we're talking about it. People have higher levels of spirit pressure because everything in the spirit world is made of reishi, which is the thing that Quincy's use in order to manipulate their arrows and launch attacks and stuff like that. Soul Reapers are made of it. The stronger the Soul Reaper, the higher the density of the spirit pressure, the higher the density of the reishi that makes up their body. And the more powerful you are, the higher the density is. Captains are super thick. They're so thick that the mm. world can't handle it when they die. That was an apt way to put that. Yep. <laughs> It is such a great tragedy when all that thickness dies that it, that it just can't be contained in the other realms that make up the cycle of life and death. So instead, they go to hell. The cycle in Bleach has never made perfect sense, so fine, they go to hell. So Ichigo is having the same thing explained to him by Zalaporo, and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Zalaporo's like, well, I have had, I have been rehearsing this, and I am going to get this speech in while I fight you. So he goes on about this, talking about how, yes, so the wayward souls who have lost the right to return because they are so powerful are cast into hell as salvation, which is actually a kindness, because... The soul reapers who have to cast them into hell are unaware that they have driven their companions there. And Rukia is very dismayed. Meanwhile, in Soul Society, she's going to Shinsui is like, is this true? Is this really what we've been doing? And Shinsui's like, yeah, maybe. I mean, I only just yeah. thought of this now. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of making this stuff up off the top of my head, so I hope that I'm right on with this. And Zelparo, meanwhile, is like, he's right on. That's how it works. <laughs> Zelparo says that the balance has collapsed. The powerful spiritual pressures that were holding the maw of hell shut, very specifically using that term, Sosuke Aizen and Yuhabak have disappeared. 
So I was confused when I first read this because he specifically says both Aizen and Yohabak have disappeared. Yohabak, yeah. of course, is dead. Oh, sure. Aizen, however, last we saw in the previous Flash Forward chapter, which was like two years before this one. Yes, yeah. Is just still in his prison, and nobody mentioned he died, which no, he can't die. I don't, yeah, I was confused by this too. What I think he's referring to is like, they're not going to be able to fight back. Like, you know, hell, like there was no point in hell opening up before this because Aizen would have been around, Yuha would have been around, but since they're not around anymore, they can't fight back. They could just open up the gates to hell and have their way now. That's the way I took it. Um, I guess he is being subjugated currently, so his pressure is being dealt with. Yeah, so. he's in Muken, which is like kind of like removed. Also, Yuha may or may not be the new Soul King. It's it's a light novel thing, Nick. <laughs> you wouldn't <laughs> right. you wouldn't get it. You wouldn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, it's a bit of a uh, uh, purple qualia thing where there is now this gate that has no longer has these great forces holding it shut, so the forces of hell can burst out from it, including. Mm -hmm. All the hollows that have been killed and evil versions of the captains that we've met before, like Yamamoto, Death Sword Retsu Unohana, which is oh, a yeah. great name. That's an awesome yeah, title. And also the guy that we just buried. Well, we're going to have this ceremony for Ukitake, who is now being referred to as Kamikake, God Sworn. And Ukitake's sword suddenly pierces through Zalaporo's chest from behind as the gates of hell have appeared behind him, stabbing Zalaporo through the chest. And so Ichigo's like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. The ceremony's not complete. And Zalaporo says, no, no, it was done because you guys just massacred the beasts of hell in front of Ukitake's eyes. Okay. Yeah. Now... Nick, there's a very important piece of info that I feel like we discussed here. Uh, and we need to discuss it. Okay. Because it seems to imply a certain character is still dead. Hold on a second. We'll get to okay, that. Okay, okay. <laughs> Listen, I was right. So anyway, so... <laughs> Zalaporo says, I'm going home. You guys aren't fun anymore. But then he says... <laughs> Hell has always been beside you. I doubt you failed to notice. Haven't you ever wondered why the butterflies that guide soul reapers have hell in their name? Haven't you ever wondered? It all comes back to the damn butterflies, guys. You never, never trust the butterflies. And for our German listeners, we don't want you to be confused. We're talking about the Hexmetterlings is, uh... What they're officially referred to as. So. This is such a very Kubo thing to do. Like, haven't you ever did? Haven't you ever wondered why there is why? Why I didn't say this particular weird sentence. Why did you assume that the Espada were ranked from one to ten instead of zero to nine? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's 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 a detail that maybe at some point he had like a reason for this for, and he's just like, I'm going to get this in. I, this is my one chance <laughs> to get this in. It didn't fit into anywhere else in the store, so here it is. Or maybe he just, it just came to him. Uh, I mean, I like it's like what you said earlier. I mean, like not really expanding upon things and just all of a sudden expanding upon things because it's like, yeah, there's butterflies that guide Shinigami from Soul Society of the Living World. Why are there butterflies? I don't know. Where do they come from? I don't know. 
what do they do? Why are do? they called hell butterflies? Uh, uh, because it sounds cool. Yeah, yeah, no, that's really just, it sounds <laughs> yeah. cool, yeah. Jigoku Cho. So, I don't really have a problem with this, but I do think that it's silly that it's, like, thrusting in your face, like, oh, didn't you ever wonder? It's like, no, not really. (laughs) I I never sat down and wondered, really, not me. Uh, You know, I guess the butterflies spy on the Shinigami for hell, I guess. That's the premise. Uh, Yeah. But I like the idea that everyone knows they're called hell butterflies and nobody was like, Hey, why are they called that? And like somebody was like in a back room somewhere, like, shut up. They're gonna figure <laughs> it out. <laughs> <laughs> Just like one satanic intern is like, God damn it, our full That would have been plan. that would have been funny. Like Ichigo is just like, hey, hey, why are those butterflies? Why do they have hell in the name? And Ukitaki's like, Oh, I, I don't I don't know, actually. Shit, you're the first person to bring that up. <laughs> a very obvious name that nothing else in our realm is named. Yeah. yeah. The gates of hell close on Zelaporo as he is dragged back into hell. Presumably not gone. I mean, he's already dead. Yeah, he just says, like, I'm going home. You guys suck. Hell's awesome. You know. The skeletons that make up the gates of hell start to grow eyes. Uh, not unlike the eyes that we saw Kazui summon before. And as they look down, we see Kazui wandering down the street in his Shinigami garb couple of hell butterflies flying, fl- flying around him and he looks presumably up at the gates he has a big happy stupid grin on his face because he is crazy and insane and we get a new title card at the end of the chapter which is new breathes from hell and then the end dot dot dot, dot, dot. so so yeah Leech um, is back! Woo! I don't know what where this is going to lead. It would seem as though Kubo has very deliberately left the door open for him to make a new story. He seems to be in this phase of his career where he's just like, got an idea, I'll make a story, which I think is the best way for him to write. It seems to yeah. really cater to his strengths and interests. So, sure. Um... I don't like parts of this. Uh, I don't like Yuya. Uh, I think that she's Yu-Yu. Sorry. I think that she's annoying. Like uh, the other lieutenant that was introduced. Um, I have a theory about this. So if we aim our eyes back, because I went and did a little bit of rereading of the end of Bleach to fill myself in on certain details. So there is an unexplained cliffhanger that happens in the second to last chapter of Bleach. Where uh, Mayuri's lieutenant was observing some stuff and he said that there is a spiritual signature similar to you, Habox, that registered. Oh, yeah, that that was explained. Was it? Yeah, because in like the the general, like really quick, it was implied like, OK, you can manipulate the future. So like right before Ichigo killed him, he's like, I'm going to reach into the future. And like at some point when everything seems cool for you, that's when I'm going to pop back up and like kill everybody. And so Ichigo cuts Yuha down. Ten years go by and it's like, OK, now everything everybody's happy. That's when his power is going to come back. And then Kazui like sticks his hand in like the wall socket where Yuha's power was coming through. And that just destroyed it. And Aizen has a monologue in prison where he's like the hope of the future can destroy. So it's implied that like Kazui representing the hope of the future destroyed the remnants of Yuha's power. 
does it make sense? I don't know, but that's, I guess, what Kubo was going for. Yeah. Mm, I don't buy it. No. Nah. <laughs> I don't trust Kazui. Uh, yeah, the kid is a little bit like, he. Uh, the way I took it is like he's opening up a gate to hell and thinking it's like a good thing. And he's like sending like the Afro Hawaiian shirt guy. He's like, come on, go into this portal. Everybody's in here. And it's like, how many souls has he sent to hell by accident? Like, oh, God. I also find it, I know that the eyes are connected to the gates of hell that he mm-hmm. summons. The fact that Yuabak had a lot of eyes, you know, as part of his yeah. motif. Basically go like, mm, I don't think he destroyed Yuabak. I mean, that would be a good twist, but it would have to go against the light novels, Nick. <laughs> yeah, we can't have that. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, it definitely seems to be like, hey, you want to... Have more bleach? Here you go. And if you want more bleach, there you go. I'm honestly okay with it. And if you know Kubo, if the next chapter comes out, like when it's not on a schedule, it's like whenever Kubo feels like mm-hmm. it, whenever he draws it, I'd be okay with that. It's more than we get now. So, you know, whatever. Once a year, even that's fine. All right. You know? Let's go over the most important detail now. Chris. Mm-hmm. Unahana's dead and never coming back. Or is she? Unahana's dead and definitely is coming back. I called this seven years ago. <laughs> the series came back to prove me right. Also Yamamoto, so we get a bonus there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Nick doesn't care. Nick didn't have an ongoing joke about the character being like, this character's definitely coming back. <laughs> oh, man. I would love to see you in again, though. Back so that we yeah. can see his overly complicated Bankai again. <laughs> yep. We never even got to see what Unahana's Bankai was actually named, if I remember correctly. No, yeah, it was no, it was named Minazuki. It was just a different kanji to make up Minazuki. It's like because Minazuki Shikai is like birth of all things, and her Bankai was the the death of all creation. It was a very edgy name. But and we never just, saw Ukitake's Bankai ever. So no, we never saw his period. Yeah. But in the light novel, no, we don't see that in the light novel. We don't see it ever. In the in the light novel where he's already dead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what do you think of this, Chris? I don't know what to think of this. I, look, Bleach is, uh, I've been away from Bleach for a while. I haven't really touched it since Bleach ended, what, like four years ago or something like that? Some, some, some period of time ago. I enjoyed having it back. I I was at first like, oh man, this is like 60 pages. This is gonna, and then it was still just like a classic Bleach chapter. Like tw- 20 seconds later, I was like, oh man, we're like halfway done. We're breezing through this. It's it was all, very refreshing. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's it's not like Boruto where I had to sit here and be like, all right, what's Ochitsuification going to do this week or whatever. Um, as for the actual plot, I said this a long time ago. I reached a point with Bleach where I recognize I don't care i'm not going to get invested into it i'm just going to enjoy the ride and Funny. like to this chapter i was like yeah it's kind of wacky a bunch of characters showed up wasn't about ichigo which is probably a good thing he's not actually all that interesting a lot of the time and then uh and then it ended and i'm like i don't know when another thing's coming out i had already kind of married myself to burn the witch season two or whatever and i was like we'll see i, I don't know is, is that still happening I, I think we are still getting that too so we can have but actually people have brought up that's the reason ichigo's a translator so we can have a burn the witch bleach crossover oh. there you go 
Yeah, but he doesn't speak English either. <laughs> you, well, actually, I don't know what language he what, translates. What, what, angu- what, langu- what language do you translate? Latin. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> He's like Gaelic. De- all, exclusively dead languages. Klingon. <laughs> Some random caveman language. Or he the actual one who supports the thing. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I will say, however, to Ichigo's credit, he is so much better in this chapter than he was in the final chapter of Bleach because he has an actual personality in this one. He I mean, says I'm, more than things. I'm just happy Ichigo, like, you know, he never wanted to be, like, the greatest Shinigami ever. He just wanted to be have, like, a normal life, and he got that. You know, he's a dad, he, he's a husband, you know, it's whatever. You know, he goes out drinking with, you know, Renji every now and then, and he's just, you know, this is life. He hangs out. He enjoys Fine. it. It's a nice uh, little continuation of his story. But honestly, I, I'm just grateful that, you know, that the little bits where like you see him talk, you know, talking with Zell Poro and he's just like, I don't know who you are. He's like, that that's Ichigo. That was pretty that, funny. Not, yeah. Not like, oh, hey, guys, how you doing? And that's literally all he says the entire chapter. What did you think of his new hairstyle? <laughs> it's, it's still orange. <laughs> I will right. say the biggest thing I have to say about this chapter, Nick. Is, uh... It's some big ass doors. Big ass doors, yeah. Yeah. Yes, they are. And they're I'm opening actually, up. Yeah. I'm excited. You know, we teased off hell a thousand years ago. Yeah, and, we got uh, we had that movie. That great movie that Someone told me we watched it and I've no, mem- it. <laughs> no memories of it. It's the soundtrack nothing. was good. <laughs> I mean, like Admittedly, the entire first third of that movie is just go echoing beats that ha- that actually happened in the Bleach timeline. So I don't oh, yeah. blame you for not remembering anything. From it's it. like it's like Dragon Ball movies where the movies basically copy just like the arcs from the shows and stuff up until like the most recent ones. Yeah. All right, we have a lot more manga to talk about. We've already been going for a while, so let's get it going. Yep. Let's move. To the next generation of manga, briefly. My Hero Academia, number 322. Great explosion, murder, god, dynamite. Last chapter, Ida seemingly brought the, every, uh, all of Class 1A's efforts to bring Deku back into a crescendo. When he was launched through the air, he grabbed onto Deku's hand. Deku, in the present, is saying, I want to get him to let go, but I'm really goddamn tired, so I can't. Uh, so they just fall from the air as Uraraka releases her gravity that's in effect on Ida. They start going crashing to the ground. And I guess nobody thought this far ahead as everyone's like, oh, no, we're falling. What are we going to do? Fortunately, Kirishima is there and his ability to turn himself hard also gives him super catching power because <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, he also has important speeches to deliver to Deku. So he's like, hey, I heard this story about you one time where you you were heroic. That was you, right? You were heroic? Yeah, that was you. Anyway, we're going to save you now. We're going to help you out. So they do that. Ashido runs up and she's like, I have things to say to you too. Uh, but then we get the big thing that actually happens in this chapter, which wasn't really expecting this to happen precisely now. But Bakugo gets very real with with uh, with Izuku, who is saying, like, look, I appreciate what all you guys are trying to do, but I'm too scared that you're going to be in danger. I don't want to make trouble for all of you guys. And things can't go back to how they used to be anymore. But Bakugo says, hey, you remember we were fighting Shigaraki and he punctured me with all those weird tentacle things. Do you remember what I said? And Deku's like, I had a lot of my mind at the moment, so... <laughs> 
wasn't really listening. <laughs> Vodka says, well, I remember it vividly because, you know, I nearly died and I remember everything. It was horrifying. But he says, it was stop trying to win this on your own, but I had more to say. And he just goes into like, you know, I've looked on, down on you for like our entire lives together because you were quirkless. And I just thought that that was the way things were supposed to be, that I was supposed to be above you. And then things started happening where you felt like you were above me and I hated it and I couldn't look at you anymore. I couldn't accept that about you. And so I pushed you away. I was mean to you. I tried to reject you. But the more I did that, the more I kept losing. And since we've been in UA together, nothing has worked out how I thought it would. And instead, I've had to learn to f understand your strength and my weakness. I don't expect this to change anything between us, but I have to speak my truth. Izuku, I'm sorry for everything. Which I think this was like literally the thing that a lot of people were still holding on Bakugo. Like he never has made good with with Deku for all the shit that he gave him for literally when they were in middle school telling him to kill himself. All of that bullying him extensively even since then. He never apologized. And yeah, that seems like a pretty sincere, in-depth apology after he's done a lot of thinking about this. And yeah. it comes at a big dramatic moment. So, okay. Also, there's a very nice thing where, like, we see them, like, as he's talking to Deku, we see them, like, as little kids and then a little bit older than, like, middle school, high school, and now in the present of their hero costumes. So, reflecting on all their time together. Um... And Bakugo brings that around to their present situation by saying, look, there's nothing wrong with what you've been doing, but you can't handle this alone and we can't win this this way. We're going to win by saving people. And Deku feels ashamed after everyone has come to him with all of this. And he realizes like they've real realized this before I have. I'm behind everyone still after all this time. And now he's tired, so he, he collapses. Bakugo yeah. So. Um, however, Class 1A is not done here. This is only half the battle, uh, as they've still got to bring him into UA. They go there. 13 is waiting for them outside, not wearing her helmet. We see her face for the first time. It just kind of happens. All She's right. cool. She's cute. That's, that's, that's neat. I kind of had been under the impression that there was, like, something about her physical form that needed to be contained in this suit for a long time. I Guess always not. thought I always thought she was like Kurogiri. She was like gaseous. Like that's what I always thought or something, you know? Or she was like a literal black hole. Yeah, or something then. like that. Yeah. But no, she's just like, no, no. Normal normal looking short haired girl. Okay. We're in a space suit. I remember after that one battle, they said, oh, she had lacerations. So I guess that implied she had a physical body. We just never saw it. Weird. Um, anyway, after Deku fell unconscious, we, you know, fast traveled back to UA, you know, skip that. It's a, it's the most boring part of the game. So, you know, just <laughs> click the button and you, yeah. <laughs> uh, somehow people have heard that Deku was on his way back to UA and there's a bunch of people gathered outside to protest this because of course there are, they, they think that he is going to lead to Shigaraki targeting them and going to put them all in danger. Um, President Mike is trying to calm the crowd down while everyone's yelling about this. And uh, while this is happening, he just turns to leave. He's like, yeah, I can't be here. I'll put all these people in danger. But before he can even take more than like a single step, Uraraka grabs him by the hand. 
And uh, she says, it's all right. And she thinks to herself, Ida and everyone else has started linking the chain. Bakugo played his part. And we're not letting go of you. We won't let you. Because when heroes need protecting, who will be there to protect them? And she looks all determined as she turns back to the crowd. So uh, making good on uh, the thing that she was thinking to herself back during the big fight where she was concerned about Deku. So mm-hmm. I ship it. <laughs> it's about as far as I think that relationship's going to go in this series. But, you know, well, I, I don't know. I feel like, you know, Bakugo had his moment and Uraka didn't actually have a moment where she actually said anything to Izuku. And I feel like that might come next chapter. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. When the final chapter comes around. We're going to flash forward Oh, yeah. seven years yeah. or whatever these two will have a kid standard shown yeah protocol. it's, it, it's yeah, gonna yeah. be there thank you for looking after Cosby, grant arena kun <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's just their oh I'm man like 110 <laughs> now nope you're our pet we're going to ignore the fact that you are a sentient being with your own wants and needs and desires <laughs> he's oh, just God. he's like the 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 fucking grandma in that one episode of spongebob he's just a shriveled head in a wheelchair <laughs> yeah. basically Shock. I like uh, the Bakako scene. I thought it yeah. was a nice touch to have and to eventually have him make that big speech. So that was very cool. And I do like that it's some kind of dramatic element of like, all right, well, we have to actually bring him into the school and his fears aren't unfounded. Everyone is very nervous to have him here if he's the target everyone's looking or uh, Shigaraki's yeah. looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Or at the least, at the least he is not alone in having that fear. No, so. I mean, like, Shigaraki literally has the search quirk. Like, he, like I think All for One basically was like, okay, he either goes out on his own and passes out, in which case I can just capture him, or he goes back to UA, in which case I know exactly where he is. So, either way, I think All for One planned for this. Yeah, yeah. but this way we can have a massive, wide-scale battle, which we've never seen in My Hero Academia in the past year. So. Yep, yep. Also, um, it did mention the new upgrade to UA that it can combine with Shiketsu. I'm hoping it's like a giant robot. I'm ho- I'm just hoping. You know? I, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, it seems like that might be the direction that's heading. Which, okay. We'll be all for one. This like 300 year old demigod with a giant robot. <laughs> like that's how we're gonna do it. Um, and it seems as though we've saved like all of the bi- the really really big dramatic beats of bringing Izuku back to UA for Ida. Bakugo and Uraraka, which seems like the most appropriate people to have the focus beyond for that. Yeah. So good stuff. I liked it. All right, Nick and Tekking, let's talk about Undead Unlock. This is number 74. Let's get this plan started. And we open with uh, Chikara, Top, and Tatiana, who are all yes. hanging out, exercising. Uh, and basically they're all just saying like, Hey, we're going to have to work out and get stronger. Cause we got to kick the butts of everyone who comes our way. Tatiana gets really excited and explodes and knocks everybody into the wall, but they yeah, padded the wall really with sure. rubber. I'm not sure exactly how Tatiana was exercising. She's like lifting the roof off of her sphere, but I don't know. How, whatever. So. She, tra- she, I guess she trains to sort of directionalize maybe her untouchable. Maybe she can make it so she could, you know, project her force upwards and not forwards as much or something like that you know well whatever. exercise she's still, some way she's still great whatever yeah so. uh we then cut over to andy who's uh working on his plan joaz shows up and is basically like hey what are you doing and he's like the matchups basically i'm strategizing actually uh i am going to yes, every show 
I'm gonna. I'm basically every Shonen fan preparing for a battle arc where I'm actually predicting the way our matchups are going to go. Uh, but they note, uh, he says, look, there's a lot of ways this could go, but some people might not make it back alive. So it's not just about lining things up to be the most advantageous to us. It's about making the matchups that'll get all of our people back, basically. So we don't have anyone die. And, uh, Juez just notes, oh, you really are another undead, aren't you? Victor used to be, uh, just like that as well. And she even quotes him, you'll have only one life to live, so act carefully, stay by my side, I won't let anyone die. She says, I heard that line so many times, but when it really mattered, he was faint of heart. That one quality has stayed the same through all of these loops. And, uh, she looks at her missing arm, and she says, this is a reminder that I've always been the one being protected. So, Andy, people can't accomplish anything on their own that goes for merely surviving it, of course, for killing God as well. So that's why I joined Victor. We've assembled these reliable teammates. If everyone is together, nothing's impossible. So there's... We can do anything yeah, every... if we depend on each other. I would say that's a running theme in this week, but that's kind of the running theme of manga. Of jump, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> So she basically says, believe in our team. This is the best members of uh, Union that we've ever had. So believe in it. And Andy has like a, a, you know, one and a half page spread of him with the moon in the background going, this place is pretty sick, ain't it? The organization is. We cut over. It's Christmas Eve. I like how Jewess is just like, yes, it is (laughs) indeed. I was having sick. this heartfelt talk with you. Yes, it is indeed pretty sick. She's like, it is most Wicca, I guess, as you say. It was Mondo Coolio, as you it put. It was Pog, yes. as the kids say. Yes. It is wizard. <laughs> oh, that would have been awesome if she would have said that. So yeah. we cut over Christmas Eve and Operation Neutralize UMA Spring has started. And we see the matchups. They've uh, divided themselves we see Tella is going up against Nico, who uh, we don't know either of their abilities, uh, unless on un- yeah, no, never mind. So yeah, we don't know either of their abilities, so that's a mystery there. And then we see Tatiana, Shen, and Mui are going up against uh, Rip, Latla, and Bunny. So an interesting matchup there. Yep. And then don't know, don't know Bunny's ability or Latla's for yes. that matter. We don't know. We kind of know. Though. We know a little bit of hers. But we don't know exactly what it does. Yeah. So we know it involves something of taking, but not exactly how or what the conditions are. And then Creed is going up against uh, Top and uh, Chikara. So that looks to be the matchups there. And uh, this is also the mission to rescue Fuko. So we see all the characters run off. Now, I do find it funny. It's this big thing, like our members, everyone, the team, it's all very important. We got to practice this. Our disguise cloaks. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And then they get there, and it's like the two people who have gotten the least amount of focus thus far, they are not involved. They, <laughs> Who knows what a Shin and Phil are doing? Something else. Who cares? <laughs> Maybe nothing. nothing. Also, I like how everyone is wearing their, like, you know, outdoor cloaks, and there's just Tatiana who's just in her ball. Yeah, well, come on. It's, it, that, it's, a, it's her fancy ball. It actually looks like she put little feet on it. The one panel does. I mean, I mean, she grows the feet and stuff for fighting sometimes. Anyway, oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah, yeah. Little feet. All right. Yeah. Um. So this was a uh, pretty nice. Just like yeah, get you sight, 
get you psyched up uh, chapter. Mm-hmm. I do like the idea of a main character in a shonen manga strategizing before a big fight. Yeah. I don't know. It seems wrong to me somehow. <laughs> it doesn't come up super often. Yeah. So I, I do like that little touch. I do really like where they're where Juiz brings up like, yeah, I mean, I'm used to this because Victor was always like paranoid about other people because they could die and he couldn't. It's, yeah, it's a very kind of big brother way looking at it. So. I've only read like the first 10 chapters of this all the way through. I need to get into this, though, because just all these different abilities, like just the fact they're I, all named after uns. I'm I, like, OK, I'm kind of interested. If you this. like yeah. world building, I would yes. say this series is probably the biggest one after one piece in terms of like a series that has built a very distinct wow. world in jump right now. And it's only 74 chapters in too. That's pretty yeah. impressive. A ton has happened in that 74 chapters yeah, as yeah. well. And also it just gets way better after the first 10 chapters. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'll check it out. Yeah. All right. Let's go over to Boruto. Yeah. To Next generations. Number 61 madness. Um, get a, color page of Amato smoking a cigarette. Okay. <sighs> Kishimoto sensei, what do you think 12 year olds talk about on their day off? I don't know. Cards. All right. So Boruto's <laughs> got his stupid collectible card game thing and oh, he didn't get a good draw. He got fucking Shino. Who wants a Shino card? I Nobody. I want a Shino card. I would love a Shino card. I, I I saw this one. I don't understand anything that's going on, but I saw this first page and I'm like, still shitting on Shino, aren't we? I also, okay. what fucking card game has its rare slot card as the first fucking card you see? How the yeah, fuck really? do you slow draw this pack? It's not like Pokemon where it's like a special, like I have to cut it open and then slide four from the back. This thing's fucking right front and center. Just like, here you go. Here's your rare. The rest of it's fucking garbage, apparently behind it. Or he yeah. just sees, you know, it got so upset. He tossed the rest of the fucking cards in the air. And there was like a fucking falling Karama card or some shit falling yeah, in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was an ultra rare Kaguya in there too. Damn it. <laughs> That'd be the best. The bad guys are in there too. <laughs> oh, I got fucking waifu pain card. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. To, they had to expand at some point. They're like, ah, screw it. Let's just. These are terrorists that almost destroyed the world. Yeah, well, it's a card. Yeah, but look at the cool eyes they all had. And some of them had swords. Why the fuck is he done in this? That psychopath who who worships a god of of immortality and killed Asuma. Why is Madara in this? He betrayed the whole kid, this whole the whole nation. Like, but man, he's so cool. Yeah, well, oh, we, we had to have all the Hokages in there. Oh man, I'll trade your black Zetsu for my white Zetsu. <laughs> so, oh my god, we uh, get a long conversation amongst Boruto and the other boy kids uh, based on the fact that there is someone who is observing Kawaki and Boruto from nearby and Boruto's like, why is there gotta be someone watching us? And Inojin is like, well, yeah, I guess it is more just to set you at ease considering that the Yamanaka sensory network is really good, but you know, here's how it works. Here's how the sensory net around Kanaha works. It works exactly how you would think it would, based off of previous chapters that would I give you context was, clues. I thought this was already explained in Naruto, by the way. Like, you know, like I thought this was already taken care of. When someone uh, goes into Konoha, we detect their chakra signature. It's compared to a fucking database because everything is run on computers now here in Naruto world. 
So there are gaps in that, I guess. And Inojin's like, unless the enemy is able to erase their chakra signature, any movement inside Konoha won't be missed. Unless you can erase your chakra signature. Unless you can erase your chakra signature. Unless you can erase your chakra. Hmm. Erase your chakra signature, huh? Hmm. My undercut will have much to think about tonight, says Kawaki. Um, some fucking ninjas are watching one of Code's claw marks doing nothing, and Sasuke says, this is a waste of time, and leaves. That takes two and a half pages. You're welcome. We go to Shikamaru and Amato. They talk about nothing. That's it. You're welcome. Shikamaru makes some smart-ass remarks about Amato, saying you can't smoke here, even though he is smoking there. That is the one source of, of humor I found in this entire chapter. That's it. They talk a little bit about Kawaki and, and Code. And Shikamaru's like, maybe Code will get so depressed that he'll just give up. Which, oh, all right. <laughs> we cut to... <laughs> Naruto's house. Kawaki comes down the stairs. He's got a bundle of magazines. Hinata watches a soap opera and cries. That's the most she's done in this entire series so far. <laughs> she's watching a, a sad show, though, Nick. She's experiencing emotions like all of us. Days Which, of our shinobi. Yeah. It does seem to be vaguely reminiscent of, like, the age of Naruto at a certain point. Like, it seems like something that would have actually happened, like, between Sakura and and, and Sasuke or something like that. Oh, yeah. Anyway, well, like, they, not... sh they show what everyone's doing. Uh, she's watching TV. Boruto's playing his Switch. Sasuke, or Naruto, is just, I guess, I don't know, fucking falling asleep where he is. And Look. Hinamori is fucking tucked into bed sleeping. Yeah, Hinamori is asleep because it's, 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 it's the time for good little kids to go to bed. Boruto has not wrecked this handheld thus far, so that's the last one that he has to play. He's not good at it, though, because he's going, ah, damn it. Uh, and I guess Naruto is um, supporting his wife's uh, turn uh, to choose what they watch for their couple's night together. What a hellscape, though. If you have to watch television from your fucking dining room kitchen chairs, like, what I mean, the seriously, fuck? seriously, though. You don't have a sofa though. or something in that fucking place to sit on? You a fucking Okage, Naruto. Like, dang, you don't have anything? Naruto's just like, I am not paying for someone to come in and uh, get this place karmically good. No, we are not going to do that. And by the I way, have to own two different chairs? No. <laughs> no, it's not happening. And by the way, has it ever even been a... Because the last time I paid attention to Boruto is when Kurama died. And I'm like, have we ever had like a moment where Naruto's like, I'm really sad Kurama's gone. I'm going to sit around and think about him. No, it's just like, eh, he's gone. Why do that yeah. when we have really cool 12-year-old <laughs> boys who could be doing cool things and be talked about for how cool they are? Like talking about sensory networks. And yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. What unfolds next is so stupid on a cosmic level. Kawaki says that he is taking out the trash. And Hinata's like, I mean, you could just do that in the morning. He's like, no, I'll forget about it. Walks outside. The guy who is watching he and Boruto is perched on a telephone pole. Perfect position, I as guess. You, as you do. Yeah. Watches Kawaki come outside. He drops the magazines on the curb. And then Kawaki, while looking up at the sensory network guy, dives into a hedge. And then comes out. And the guy's like, yeah, uh. 
watching the Uzumaki household, uh, Kawaki came outside and went back in. Nothing uh, he, suspicious happened at all. Nothing in a while. It's not like you can, I mean, maybe if people can make clones, but what are the odds of that? I mean, really? Uh, it looks like he jumped into a bush and then walked out of the bush. Should I check what's in the bush? No? Okay. And that's when you find <laughs> out the headset's not connected to anything. Yeah. <laughs> like there's no a string. Asked him to do this. There's a string that goes into He's like a waffle. Really He's not even really a ninja. He's just really bored. <laughs> He's just a pervert. He's just oh, on their God. window to stare into the windows. What shows are they watching? I just really love Naruto and I want to watch what his life is like. That's just me. This is actually a uh, villain that uh, Naruto put away and he uh, can use his quirk to take control of paintings on the road. Sorry, that was the episode of My Hero that came out this week. On Pretty the good. Boruto sees Kawaki come back inside, but he sees that something, he senses that something is d different about him. What could it be? Oh, Kawaki is still in the head. He just used a shadow clone jutsu, which we know we, that he could use in order to act as a decoy while he suppressed his chakra signature and went outside. Boruto detects this for certain reasons that we don't know entirely, but it probably has to do with, you know, the thing that connects him and Kawaki. Gee, could it possibly be that? I don't know. It's left as a really big question at the end of the chapter. But, you know, me being a person who has read the past two chapters of Boruto could tell you they are connected by the thing in their palm that he looks at all the time. Anyway, this trained ninja never sees the, the kid come <laughs> out of this bush. <laughs> And since he has no chakra signature, he's like, well, he's got no spirit pressure, so he could be four feet, four stories tall, and I wouldn't see People him. People need to learn how to use their eyes and ears. They rely too much on magic sixth sense sensing powers. Yes, yeah. that's correct. We need to have a uh, seminar about this. Oh, God, yeah. Boruto is like, wait a minute, he's trying to get away. So he goes outside, but he's like, oh, man, but the guy who's keeping an eye on me can still see me and detect my chakra. I'm going to go be angry at the shadow clone guy. So he goes to do that. However, we cut over to Ada, who is detecting all this going on because she has her super I can see everything power, which doesn't involve chakra signatures and all that stuff. Um... Her little brother is sleeping on her because, ew, I'm sure that uh, he's not being weird or anything. She says this to Code and says that, you know, hey, Kawaki's on the move. So Kawaki's like, all right, I'll go and find out what's going on. She also is like, he shouldn't know how to, you know, make his soccer singer go away. But maybe he did it instinctively, like how a foal gets up on its own right after being born. Okay, who cares? He heard the idea. And he did it. I don't need you to be talking about it like this. Code goes through one of his claw slashes, which is not the one that Sasuke abandoned, importantly. And then he also uses his straps to communicate with Ada by making his lips and then ear go outside of it so he can talk to her and then listen to her, which is gross, but actually inventive. So I will not complain about it. Kawaki is on the move. Boruto goes and complains to the shadow clone Kawaki. Kawaki senses that Boruto has complained to the shadow clone Kawaki somehow. I didn't think that was how shadow clones worked, but apparently it is. Anyway, that's the chapter. Hooray! To be continued! <laughs> At least Code left the bar. He is physically no longer in that fucking bar anymore, and the story presumably will move forward. Now, next chapter, he could just be like, I'm tired to go back through his fucking straps. And he's back there. And he's just like, like, no, <laughs> oh do you have another shitty sibling? You can introduce me to with more <laughs> complex powers. And the MVP, 
the MVP you... for this week, though, Sensory Ninja Guy. Like, he, he was on top of shit. I fucking, I love that fucking Kowaki's grift is, oh, I'm going to take out these magazines. Too, take too long to walk around the house to get back inside. I'll jump over the top. I guess I accidentally jumped into this tree, but I won't say anything. I'll just leave the tree and go inside. And the guy was just like, nothing weird. Nothing weird here. He doesn't get paid enough for this. He's just like, I don't care. It's a shadow club. I don't know anything. I'm just a trained ninja. I certainly wouldn't have been informed that this house might have people who are petitioners of the, the shadow clone jutsu. So seeing, yeah. seeing a person and sensing the chakra wouldn't really be enough to identify that, make sure that person is right there. See what, what's really the problem here is that we only get so much Boruto. Mm-hmm. If we had a chapter half this length that had ch- characters talk much more than this while accomplishing even less, then it would be bizarrely charming. But instead, this was just dumb. Let's talk about Kaiju number eight, Nick. It's Kaiju number eight, chapter 41. Kaiju number eight still doesn't have chapter titles. So um, stuff is happening. There is an earthquake going on. And it turns out there is a massive ass sinkhole in Tokyo's Shinagawa Ward that ants are coming out of. Ant Kaiju. Yay! Everything's fine. Yeah! Kikoru finishes up her afternoon training, goes to talk to Captain Narumi because she's like, you promised to give me personal training. He dogezas in front of her and is like, I need some money because I ordered too much otaku shit. If you give me money <laughs> for otaku shit, then I will think about training you. And Kikoru's like, I hate you. Uh, his vice captain comes in and says, it's time to sortie because there is an ant kaiju epidemic problem. So everyone suits up and goes outside. Narumi has a cool coat now. The first division moves out to go and deal with the ant kaiju problem. The ants are very big. Uh, people are evacuating, trying to get to shelters. But there is a little girl who has hurt her leg. She's hiding behind a car with her big brother, who looks bizarrely like Kafka. Like, seriously. Um, and so he's like, don't worry about it. Captain Narumi will come and wipe out these kaiju. Definitely. An ant comes around the corner and looks specifically at them and is coming to eat them. And he's like, Narumi will save us. Narumi will save us. Narumi will save us. Oh, man, it's going to come towards us with its creepily human mouth. Oh, but Narumi came and saved them. And he stabs yeah. it from above with his giant box cutter knife thing. Kills the thing. The kid's like, yay, Captain Narumi, yay. Uh, and Narumi says, hey, when you get back home alive, use your mom's phone to post. Captain Narumi is so cool. Ten times to social media, which is possibly the most endearing thing that he has ever actually done. Where he's just like, hey, kid, my ego is fragile. So post about how cool I am for saving your Ten life. times specifically. At least that much for my ego. Yeah. Um, he issues out orders. Uh, to his unit who are dispersing throughout the area and then says specifically to Kikoru and Kafka, whom he's still calling Kaiju number eight, eliminate any Kaiju in the neutralization zones. I expect results. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Pretty quick chapter, but yeah. uh, moving into the next Kaiju hunt ni- nice and quickly. So good. Good thing. Okay. We have a spy family chapter to talk about now. It's uh-huh. Mission 51. Uh, Yor is still trying to escort Olka and her son and friend to safety. There's just that guy. He's just there. He's just there. 
he's in love with her, but she doesn't know. Whatever. Anyway, escorting, trying to escort them. They randomly come across the two guys that were part of their group for the work retreat cover story. And they're just like, hey, we want to hit the casino and not do nothing. We're going to be very irresponsible while we're on this work trip now that we have no further duties. Oh, nobody tries to pull a hit job over here on the ship. The guy who is coordinating all the assassins who are coming after Olka has amazing nostrils. Um, he detects that there is uh, a woman who is wearing multiple scents and a woman with no scent, which means that it must be Olka and her bodyguard. He just knows this and finds them because hitmen in this world are crazy. Anya is with Lloyd. They're going to see the fireworks. Anya sees a kid riding around on his on his dad's shoulders and is like, I can't see the sky from down here. So she can ride on Lloyd's shoulders. It's cute. Aww. Yeah. Um, but she also is thinking about the fact that, of course, you know, Yor is doing her uh, bodyguard thing. So she's like, oh, I can't hear anyone around or with everyone being in this crowd, though, with my mind reading. So I've got to really listen carefully to find her. Yor is being very cautious about every corridor that uh, they're going down. Uh, she actually has access to some of the crew corridors because of a key she got from uh, the director McMahon. So she leads them in a roundabout way. There is a uh, there's a bit where fireworks go off and uh, the little kid freaks out because he is small, loud noise, boom. Uh, and Ani's just like, I have immediately forgotten what I was doing this for. Yay! Because she's six. Um, but, uh, yeah, after the initial surprise happens, uh, Yora's like, okay, well, everyone's distracted. Let's get going. And she's leading them up onto another deck. And so there's a ladder they have to get up. And she's like, okay, I'll just, and she just picks up Olka while she's holding her kid and just jumps it in one vault because makes it easy. Really shows up the guy with them, too. He's like, oh, okay. However, as they're going across the deck and fireworks are going off, a sniper aims his rifle down at them. And um, at the exact moment that a big firework goes off, he presumably fires his gun. But Yor still dodges it. She gets Olka out of the way and it only grazes her shoulder. Uh, and she immediately returns fire. She throws one of her giant hairpin things. Uh, but he avoids that. And then before she can take any further action, knives thud into the deck around her. Another hitman is there. She's forced to f fight him. She tries to fend him off by presumably trying to gouge his face off with her sharp nails. But he blocks them with his knife and scoots away. And uh, as she gathers herself, she's near Olka and her kid to protect them. And from out of the woodwork, all the hitmen come. They are all ready to ambush them. And yours like, I couldn't sense a single one of them. That's how good they are. They all hid their presence from me. And we just get this big two page spread of her squaring off against all these hitmen and getting her weapons ready to, to face off against them. Including somebody that's high as hell, because those eyes are just like, Whoa, no. <laughs> it might just be Sadamune from Elusive Samurai. You know? Yeah, I've never actually read that one, so I don't know. But yeah, this is a pretty badass one. I like this chapter. Yeah, this is some good things. I like the the two page spread of the fireworks going off and that kind of 
signaling with the the shot of the sniper rifle to kick things off. It's a good, exciting little uh, kickoff to an action series. Yep, it's uh, very like it just kind of like draws you in, build, and then you see that like oh, there's been this tension that's built up, and now here we are as we are about to have presumably the uh, big uh, final climactic battle of this arc. So presumably, all right, let's talk about. Eden Zero, guys. Everyone's favorite series, Chapter 155, The Winds of Rutherford. I didn't even think this was still running. (laughs) Uh, It is. How dare you? Uh, We get a cover. It's got an anime series now. That most people don't know about. It's apparently very bad. So the cover page is uh, Sister uh, with Moskoy in, I guess, her BDSM dungeon. But she has a syringe. And I don't know why. I don't think you're supposed to use syringes in BDSM play, but maybe she knows something I don't. Anyway, last time, uh, Jin got hit with an attack. Yeah. This time, Jin got hit by an attack, and it's killing him. Uh, Fucking Lyra throws a bunch of cards and explains how her powers work, uh, which is they suck. Her power is she can manipulate (laughs) cards, but then also sometimes the cards get elements to them. But she doesn't know what elements they'll be. So. Hold on. We need to go through this panel by panel. Okay. She says, my power is to change the card's elements. Okay. She then says, lightning card. And lightning strikes the guy. Yep. And then she says, with my gambler's rush, even I don't know what element the cards will be. After she said lightning card and lightning struck the guy. Do you think if she said like lightning card and water hit him and said, oh, God damn it. Fuck. Yeah. I, don't know what the be. <laughs> I tricked you. I didn't get confused. Uh, what I love about this is the revelation of what her powers are uh, really is just she could fuck with cards and that's it. And then the cards could have elemental powers. This is a member of the strongest group in all of Nero's armies. And her fucking powers, she could fuck with cards. cards. I really, I really kept thinking they would add like, no, the game she creates with the rules is like a binding contract, like it's a JoJo stand or something like that. No, it's just a fucking thing. Rebecca this left. Mashima, this is still yeah. Mashima we're talking about here. Okay, so Rebecca left with a bomb around her throat that was supposed to go off if she left, and it just hasn't. I don't think there's any rules being followed here, and I love that her fucking power set sucks this much. There was nothing deeper to it. She throws cards. She's a shitty gambit. Well, hey, but, you know, we've only just been introduced to her. Maybe we'll get to see her exercise more powers before this fight is done. Yeah, she's going to be a long-standing character, no doubt. Uh, Jen is falling apart. And... You say that. We've seen we've seen weirder characters <laughs> stick around and yeah. being interested in this series. Uh, and we get a flashback with Laguna explaining how Empire Ether is actually... Uh, not actually that special. Uh, a lot of people in the Howie Cosmos can use it, <laughs> including him. So it's this very weird thing where it's like, it's very scary. And then like immediately cuts the lagoon. He's like, actually, a lot of people have it. In fact, I have it. Let me explain exactly how to beat it. Uh, so essentially, that's ethers that fuck with people and change them, sort of like how he turned people into water if they cried. But there's actually a way to counter that. You have to know yourself. Uh, so we get a long flashback of Jin thinking about who he was, and it's such a fucking 
my special character backstory that I know we know all these parts, but seeing it in order, it's like, I was a rich kid, bored of wealth, and then I was kidnapped and tortured, and then I went to robot ninja school. And then, and then I became my parents. <laughs> and then I became a bounty hunter. And now I'm with all my friends in space. And then I trained with psychic assassins. <laughs> space! And then, and then and, I learned key by studying martial arts <laughs> in a monastery. <laughs> Oh and, my god. And thus by knowing himself, he undoes the big attack, normalizes ether attacks. Um they get another flashback to show him and Callum made a promise that I'll one day he'd, be- he'd beat him. And it's a weird amount of flashback to give for a character who's going to be very forgettable. I guess Callum could show back up again at some point. But uh Jin activates his his overdrive, and I guess for shits and giggles. Clean is also going to do it. <laughs> There's no emotional like moment for her. Just someone says, do it, and she does. You don't need it to beat Lyra. Lyra sucks, but she does activate overdrive to defeat her. And they, they do their big attacks. But uh Clean or Jin rather has a big speech. She's like, Clean and I have made up our minds to protect our home. The winds of Rutherford will carry our ship forward, which Almost as a cool line, until you remember said ship is a spaceship where there is no wind. So there is physically no way wind can push this ship forward. Space uh, wind. And then they show off their cool new poses. And uh, that's pretty much it. We then cut over. Man, and... remember when harpies were relevant to the metagame? Yeah. Um, it really come yeah. a long way since then. Just not, not the same. you know. I mean, I, I was a thing for six samurai personally, but you know. And I like, come on, name a Yu-Gi-Oh archetype. Star Boy? Is that, is, does he have like his own tribe he yet? Actually, no. Okay. He got a re, he got retrained, but no. Yeah, he's a Link now. He's a uh, yeah. Star. Wait, what, what's it called? Like he's like Gentleman or something. I forget. Hell yeah! yeah. I'm proud of that boy. <laughs> Anyways, the chapter ends with Shiki, Rebecca, and fucking Moskoy running into Rescue Witch, and then. The secretary person whose name I've forgotten and I don't care just looks at the fact that Lyra and Callum got beaten and she says, oh, Oceans, you're just as useless as the rest of them, which is how we've all felt about these characters as we've been introduced to them. And I'm glad the manga has reiterated it for us. I guess Lyra's actual contribution to the Oceans was the ratings she brought with her striptease shows. So. I, I really guess I, it, it really is such <laughs> it makes more sense that poseidon does everything he does based off of fucking die roll and that's how she got her position on oceans <laughs> is he just rolled he's like she's perfect and like 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 later on in the back room he's like what what is her power she could fuck with cards like like how like i don't know she could change the numbers on them and shit and sometimes they explode with fire but you won't know sometimes she could do bad elements and you're like well, that doesn't sound very good at all I, I don't think I should have had her on the team, but, well, but the dice D and D rules. You just roll the dice and see what happens. The story. This is what the dice, the story, the dice are telling. I don't know what you want me to do. Yep. Dice want That's, some titties. That being said, though, Lyra is not confirmed dead and she is an attractive character in a hero series. So do not be surprised if she shows up again or even indeed if she joins the crew of the Eden Zero at the end of this arc. I don't want to call you out on that because that is a hundred percent possible and i do yeah. not want to bring that evil you into the world Vicky bobby 
you de- had your doubts about that guy who was definitely in love with Homura, and you were like, no, I'll bet you on this one. And that was like, <laughs> no, 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 you were definitely right. <laughs> I was like, it's a very realistic thing. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's go over to Shonen Jump again. Hunter's Guild. Red Hood, Chapter 6, Beginning of Part 2, The Outside World. We open this chapter in a flashback slash dream. It appears to be a scene from Velo's childhood where he was, where the mayor of the town was like, yes, do physical labor for me, orphan. It was a teaching moment, definitely. But uh, so uh, Velo's like, hey, I want to repay everyone at the Hamlet for being kind to me. So I'll do this work for you, mayor. And the mayor says, yes, from now on. You will be the one to... Ominous. He's not talking about cutting wood at all. Bella wakes up. He is in a cart that is being pulled by a hermit crab. Yeah! Love the crab. Uh, He is running the cart with Grim, who is in her child form. And uh, so... Bella's looking outside. There's weird stuff happening out there. There is a giant with a big tree over there. She says to ignore it. So, okay. Um, we get a brief recap of the, you know, aftermath of Kasoka Village being destroyed. A conversation took place that went basically how you would imagine it would, based off of previous details we learned. Grim was like, come with me. I'll teach you to be a hunter. Okay. So, Velo has decided I'm not going to allow a tragedy like that to happen again. I'll be a hunter and avert future disasters involving werewolves. Grim uh, has the cart stop and talks to the cart's driver, Tilty, who is there with his sister. Yes, Milty. They are hermit crab drivers. And uh, so they're stopping for lunch and stuff. Grim's inquiring about certain details involving like the mayor and stuff like that. They talk about uh, woodcutting because, you know, fellows like, yeah, uh, I know how to use an axe because I chopped wood like that. And so she says, huh, you know, there's actually a kingdom somewhere that uses that as a training regimen for knights. Hmm. Uh, And so she's thinking about the situation and she's like, those two really powerful people showed up afterward. Like, like is the alpha of all werewolf society and Cinderella's partner. There was a Wolfonium axe that was at that village, a boy who was given knights training and werewolves that just showed up as if they were begging to be killed. And the village was conveniently raised, so he would have nothing tying him down there. This seems very convenient. So I want to believe that there that this is not just the author calling himself out, <laughs> that there is like going to be an actual perp reason that like is being done for all this. But yeah, when she lays it out like this, I'm like, I mean, I wasn't going to say anything because you're a shonen maga, but okay. It, so. it was rather convenient, yes. Uh, we are... Introduced in full to Tilty and Milty, who are strong, uh, and they get a chance to show off in an action scene this chapter because a massive enemy, a giant enemy crab appears on the horizon. It has a tank on its back. Yep. So like, well, that wandering crab has a tank. Oh, well, then the tank's turret moves and starts firing at them. And they're like, there's a smaller crab inside the turret that's firing at us. Ah, bet you didn't yep. see that coming. Smaller crab inside ah. the giant tank crab. Yeah. Um, so Grim is just like, yeah, okay, Tilty, Milty, you guys go take care of that. Bilty. 
That's their mm-hmm. that's their bird Bilty. I'm just Bilty. Gonna, yeah, they... both of you. <laughs> so Velo's like, why aren't you handling this? And Velo says, because I'm Neliel. And so I can only maintain my adult form for lo- short periods of time because I was cursed to have the body of a child. And I don't, can you use hate when, don't you hate when that happens? Yeah, damn it. We're all so, cursed to have the body of a child in a way. Oh, never mind. I, 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 I've said too much. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I don't want to see your adult body. Then. <laughs> she explains she has a tool. One of the very, very many hunter's tools lets her transform into an adult, but it only works for three hours a day, and then she gets tired afterward. So she's not going to use it unless she absolutely needs to. She's going to let these two other guys who are capable of handling the situation take care of it. Milty takes out a gun and fires a bullet through the little peeping slot in the tank, and it ricochets around the inside of the tank, causing the hermit crab to go, oh shit, and run out of the hatch. And then her brother takes this weirdly jagged sword and cuts it up a bunch. And uh, they take care of it really quickly. So they get ready to leave, and they just head off on their way again after taking care of this crab. And so Vela's like, wow, you guys are great. When I become a hunter, I want to be as strong as you two. And Tildy says, we're not hunters. We flunked out because we couldn't pass training camp, which will be incredibly difficult and it lasts three months. So the only stuff that we do is we do odd jobs for the guild. That's the most that we can do. Uh, very few people pass training camp and we couldn't. We flunked out. And Vela's like, wow, these guys are really strong and they flunked out of training camp. Yeah. What the hell is in store for me? And then they see the guild's mobile research facility on the horizon. It is basically a giant fortress on a smaller fortress that moves. And uh, the last thing we see before we end the chapter is a person wearing what appears to be a sports bra and glistening with muscles saying, how many will survive this round? And that's the end of the chapter. Okay. So I like that uh, Red Hood has kind of realized where its strength is, and it's uh, not leading with it, it's ending with it, where it's like, how about a gigantic chest and, and powerful women? That'll get people in. Um, I will say, though, this is the best chapter of Red Hood we've gotten yet, because it introduced so. interesting things about the world. It wasn't just like, there's werewolves and witches. Like, yeah, a lot of things happen. Like, no, there's fucking hermit crab tanks and, like, Characters giant, doing things. The giant mechanical crab, which is a running gag. I've always wanted one of those to show up in some manga, and it happened here, and everyone was tweeting it at me. Like, it happened in Red Hood, and I'm like, all right, I guess I'm reading Red Hood from now on. Uh, I love me a giant mechanical crab. I mean, who doesn't? I also love that it's a giant mechanical crab that has a smaller crab inside <laughs> yes. of it. I love it. That is thing this be a tank crab on. a Gundam now? Yeah. So I actually agree with your assessment, Chris. This is probably the best chapter of Red Hood just because like, all right, went through it. Done. (laughs) We get we get lore. We get like, you know, and it's like, here's how like, you know, it's really hard to become a hunter, period. And so, you know, it's it's a cool. Yeah, yeah, it's built up for this inevitable test. We got to see two characters who seem super strong, but wow, they flunked out of the test. That means the test is going to be real hard. And I guess we finally get the explanation for why. Grim had like a child form. It seems weird that info wouldn't have been shared earlier, but you know, yeah, 
I guess that was essentially like a four chapter prologue, and now is the more appropriate time to start yeah, dropping cause, that. Because I read like before this, I went back and reread all six, but I read like the first one, and I'm like, oh, this looks pretty cool. And now I'm reading the sixth one, and I'm like, oh, th- this is the first time they're actually explaining that. That's strange, but okay. Yeah. There's been a lot of talk about werewolves before this, so yeah. Yep. Let's talk about Maguchan, chapter 54, an oceanside tea house rising from the burning sand. It's the long-awaited beach episode of Maguchan. Beach chapter. So we see that uh, Nabutaku is at the beach along with Ren's family because they have taken over a beach hut after the previous owner retired. So they're looking after this. Nabutaku is upset because this is going to involve hard work that does not involve cooking. He knows what's up. Um, Ren's sister, Rian, is like, Napu, don't whine. The experience you gain will help you grow. And Ren's like, Rin, why are you just sitting on that beach chair? And she's like, oh, yeah, I finished prepping, so I'm on a break. But then she says something that I found much more amusing, which is, I am testing the durability of this lounge chair. <laughs> much better excuse. So they're upset about this. Ruru shows up. And she's got Magu with her with the with the cute sun hat on. And Magu says, prostrate yourself or I have arrived. Because he knows how to make an entrance. Uh, Ruru is all nice and helping. And she's like, oh, you guys must be, you know, really having a hard time out here in the heat. And Ren's like, can I get you something to eat, please? And and stuff. Naputaku is like, why are you here, Magmanuik? And Magu's, are you just going to chill? Nay. I have come to observe the shore that serves as a seaside getaway for lowly humans to loiter. And she says that he's going to use his eye beam to part the sea like Moses. And then Nabutka's like, yeah, but you already did that before. <laughs> yeah. It's old hat, Nabutka. <laughs> There's only so many times you can use your godly eye beam powers to avert natural occurrences. Like it's just, it's just old. You have to come with a new trick now. Come on, Magu. Um, we see a little bit of hanging out, you know, hanging, hanging around while everyone is working. And then she and, and Maku go splashing in the ocean while he's in the inner tube. <laughs> and she's like encouraging him like a baby on his first swims. Like, yay, good job. He's like, this is nothing. <laughs> Just resting in an inner tube. Uh, Ren, of course, is envious of this. And he's like, oh, I'm going to go hang out at the beach and chase Ruru around in my bizarrely constructed 12-year-old fantasies about what romance is like. 13-year-old, however old they're supposed to be now. Uh, Naputsuku is also like, I can't just sit here slaving away while Mog gets to go splash around the ocean. I can't do this. And then they hand him his yakisoba and he immediately starts eating it. He's like, hey, yakisoba. So he is a simple man. Simple starfish. Sorry. Chaos God. But, simple chaos God. <laughs> So um, things go on like that until the weekend comes. And of course, it's a big rush at the beach. Ren and his family are very, very busy. Naputaku is feeling overwhelmed. Uh, Magu and Ruru are observing how swamped they are. Naputaku is on the verge of collapse. Uh, and as things are going, Ren and Rin's mother also collapses and it starts to get heat stroke. Uh, Magu is very sweet. He starts fanning her with his hat. It's it's about it's one of the nicest things that Magu has done, I think. Um, so 
well, but of course she's like, I've got to get back on my feet. I've got, there are customers who are waiting. Um, but Rin just says, look, I know that this is the busiest time of the year, mom, but that's why you have to rest. I'll take care of things in your place. Uh, and she said, but her mother says, I mean, Hey, you must be exhausted from working here and at the restaurant every day. <laughs> and Ren's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> she was just sitting in that beach chair the whole time. But Rin says, Hey, my forte is not getting tired. I'll just apply myself in moderation. It's my dream to take over the restaurant. Leave it to me as the proxy head chef. And then she turns to Naputiku and says, can I trust you with the cooking to help me with the cooking? Concentrate on what I taught you yesterday. Can you do it? And Naputiku is ready to go. He's got your utensils. Yes, I can cook. Yay. The one thing. That's my thing. He's so happy. Yeah. Oh, happy for the dude. Ruru, of course, uh, offers to help out because she is a good girl. Ren is tasked with with serving and clearing tables. Rin gets everyone together and she's like, let's go, jerks. Well, she's got Napu next to her on the uh, yakisoba stand. Uh, then Napu as, is eventually like, I've got an idea. Mog Manuik, quit playing around and help. Mog is like, why should I take part in your toils? And Naputiku says, you still owe me from that foggy day. It's a good point. He did save the day very, very heroically. So Nabutiku's like, fine. And he starts inflating one of one of the uh, uh, inflatable devices that they're going to hand out. And then he's like, these things are, are worthless. So he just makes more phylactics instead. Beach ball, inner tube, umbrella. Very useful. Hey, it works, All of them it works. have eyes. Nobody yeah. cares. So. Also, he makes an ice pack for uh, Ren's mom, which is nice. And uh, eventually Ruru jumps in to start help clearing tables afterward. And we just get a little brief montage of everyone working. And eventually the day ends. Everyone collapses, takes a load off, starts enjoying some ice cream bars. And uh, then Nabutsuku starts talking to Rin. And he says, so you have your eye in the head chef's position. And Rin says, yeah, it'd be a long way off. And I'm still nowhere at the level of my mom or dad yet, though. I figured I'd have an easy life if I took over the family business. But to make it easy, I have to put in a lot of hard work now. And Nabutsuku just is left to just kind of think about this and say, to have your own restaurant, I'd love to have one too. And uh, we just get a last little bit of uh, catch up with Ruru and the others. Um, uh, And then Magu recalls all of his morphalactics. And he has a very bizarre tan line because they all got really sunburned from that and then he molts it off because he's weird. And that's yeah. the chapter. That's so it, a good it was a good beach chapter. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah they did cooking. There weren't a bunch of gratuitous swim shoot slots. You know, there was a watermelon in a panel. So, you know, they got everything they needed to. I thought it was very sweet. Um, and I really like, uh, actually, the exchange between Rin and Naputsuko, where Rin showed that she has some depth to her character <laughs> beyond, I get high all the time. Sorry, I, I zone out t- and, and chill all the time. And, of course, you know, Naputsuko very clearly being like, I want to have a restaurant one day because he's a sweet boy who loves cooking. So. Darn I hope he opens that restaurant. I, I wish him the best. I'm sure that if we all clap our hands and believe really hard, it can happen. Let's all worship our chaos god. Oh, no, shit, we summoned up the world of hell! Oh, shit, oh no! Let's oh. move on from there, though. There's so many beach cover pages this week, aren't there? Another one from Dr. Stone. 
yeah. featuring was well, bizarrely this... sexy again. Yeah, well, I mean, he was always sexy, but like, okay. Well, this is the this is the beach. Uh, it's the summer. volume. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Isn't this the beach issue of Jump? This is the one with the swimsuit cover. There's a beach inch issue. I didn't see the cover this week. I actually don't know what it is. Yeah, it's huh. basically like the characters in their swimsuit. They usually do like one a year, and this is yeah, like probably. the the swimsuit ch- cover. Yeah, it's all over the Viz homepage. Well, their version of it because they kind of have to reorient things but yeah could i uh could i do the recap for this one sure (laughs) (laughs) i love dr stone um okay so this will be uh chapter 206 dawn of the computer uh and so we have a lot of stuff to cover here but pretty much it starts off with uh taiju's group uh they return to corn city on their separate ship they get there they revive yuzuriha and everybody uh, she hugs Taiju, very adorable. Uh, Joel and everybody there is revived, as well as Brody and the group that was originally from Zeno. So Luna's there, and it, this has to happen really quick. So Luna just pretty much is like, yeah, so we were enemies, but now Zeno's working with uh, Senku, and we're building, like, space suits and spaceships to go fight, you know, Y-Man on the moon. So we're all friends now. And they're like, okay, cool. Also, Stan Lee's in stone, so we don't have to worry about him. I'm like, all right, then. That so, guy's a jerk. Good. Yeah, that's, that's right. I, I narrowed it down that the only reason they were fighting against each other is because they were afraid of Stanley. Now that he's out of the picture, it's like, all right, cool. Yeah, we're friends. Awesome. So they're all working together. Senku has established communication with them through radio. And of course, and so the plan is to make a computer. Now, there is a lot of stuff that is involved here. And they actually got a new like they have a scientific consultant for Dr. Stone. They also had to bring on a new computer consultant now because this is a whole new realm that I, you know, I don't understand it. I don't know if anybody does. Uh, but anyway, so a lot of exposition on how computers work. And uh, Senku is basically like, all right, so it's essentially a series of switches that go on and off. Uh, it's just a bunch of these switches that are telling the computer on and off. And that's basically what you get. Um, they do a little experiment with flags. Like, you know, you have Chrome and Gen on one side and then Suika and uh, Kohaku on another side. And it's like when one person raises a flag, you raise another flag. And it's basically supposed to be like a math equation, like one plus one equals two or zero plus one equals one. And just very, very simple math. So. They make I these love things. Kohaku's expression. Yeah. This portion because she is so intense for this. <laughs> like, I'm not going to miss if both those fuckers raise their flags. Yeah. I will catch them. It's like if both of them, as soon as both of these flags go up, raise that red flag, Kohaku. And she's like, yeah, let's do this. You know? So she does that. And it's like they sort of understand how it works. But once again, this is like the most basic of com- basic computers that you can make. So Senku fashions these things called uh, parametrons. I've never heard of these. Basically, it's just like a zinc donut, uh, metal donut with coil wrapped around it. Mm, and he's like, these are basically going to... Zinc gonna... donut. <laughs> <laughs> zinc magnesium donut and copper wiring. Delicious. Do you think that that was included in Satan Ned's All the Donuts in the World? Probably. Yes, it... It was every donut and like Homer's like, oh, my God, he's even eating the donuts that are made of metal. And just like that was, you know, that's how Homer. Yeah. 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 He had to eat every flat tire, you know, (laughs) spare tire, you know, he had to do everything. 
Yeah, near the end, yeah, he started off with like um like regular donuts, but near the end's like, okay, we're gonna start with inedible stuff, but it doesn't matter because it's Homer. Mm. Um that's been our Treehouse of Horror number five reference from the Simpsons. Just wait to see how we get the others in there. Like, if you're gonna reference one, it might as well be that one. So I mean I love I love the Simpsons, so yeah. Um so these little zinc magnesium donuts, they're basically the transistors for a computer. And everyone's kind of surprised because, like, they're building up these computers and size talking about how complicated they are. But these things were really simple to make. So, like, Chrome and Kohaku and everybody is like, wow, that was easy. And Gen's like, that was really easy. There's no way it could be this simple. Um, there's a little bit more explanation on uh, electrical waves and how, like, it, it swings back and forth and you know, a lot of people don't really understand it. Uh, you know, Suika and like Kohaku are there just like, so it's like electrical zappy zappies, like electricity makes it work. And just like, yeah, kind of. So they make something called a half adder or an adder circuit. And I actually did research on this to learn about what the hell this thing was. And so, um, very basic circuit where you have two switches at the end and a bunch of these little transistors and then two light bulbs on the other end. If both switches are off, it's zero. None of the lights light up. If one of the switches is on, it's one plus zero. So only one of the light bulbs. You flip both switches. It's one plus one. So two light bulbs go up. Very, very simple. Like the most simple calculator you could possibly imagine. But nevertheless, Sai is very excited over this. And he's like, can I be the one to test this? And he's like, absolutely. You're going to be your computer guy. So all he really does is just flick the switch on and off. But he starts crying because he's like, this is the first step that will be to our NES, the first step to a computer. Kohaku's not very impressed because she's just like, even I know one plus one equals two, but they're like, yeah, that's true. But size, like all we have to do is keep adding more and more of these uh, transistors, these switches, because there's only like five of them on right now to make more and more complicated circuits. And eventually that will surpass what humans are capable of. So let's get to building. So boom, we get our new roadmap to building an NES uh, we have the adder circuit, and then we got to get a display and some memory, which they show a little cassette. So that's going to be cool, like magnetic me memory. So that's cool. Um, that'll make a calculator. And then it's just calculator to NES. There's just one, like, arrow that points to that. So, okay. You, it's, that's just science. Like, if it, yeah. was, if it was Pokemon, calculator just evolves into NES just at level 43. Like, it's not a like complicated thing. I, yeah. I feel you like don't you're need skipping some, set, some steps there, you know? Well, I mean, there's like a ROM cartridge gets added in and some, yeah, you know, yeah. and... electricity. But, um, oh, yeah. We got electricity and ROMs. There we go. NES or a Super Famicom or just a regular Famicom. Um, so we cut back to Corn City where Senku's obviously relaying this whole information back to them. Remember, Dr. Zeno had that giant like castle and that's it's like seven years, but it's still operational. So it's like we need to get that up and running to mass produce all of these magnesium circuits. And, you know, Gen is like, oh, get ready, Yuzuriha. He's going to say to build like 800 of these things. And Senku's like, actually, it's 200,000. <laughs> Everyone's like, fuck. <laughs> like, this is going to be. Um, but he's like, it's OK. We can make machinery to build the donuts. But when it comes to actually making the copper, like coiling the copper wiring around every single one, you guys are going to have to do that by hand. And he's like, do you, can you do it, Yuzuriha? And she just, you know, strikes the peace sign. Like, yeah, we got this. We're good. And, um, you know, they're going to, like, revive some more people, obviously, and put them to this task. And everybody at Corn City is just raising up their hands like, yeah, we got this. So, yeah, they're, they're making a computer. And this is what we got. As for reference, I looked that up, too. Um, 
your standard iPhone has about like 8 billion of these. So that's, yeah, that's where we're at right now. But 200,000, um, like when it comes to like the circuits on a space shuttle or something, they really do use like rudimentary computers from like the 80s because the idea is like hey we know it works we don't have to update uh, can you imagine if like windows vista was added to the space shuttle at some point yeah. like more, yeah, more things no. that you update the more things that you go wrong yeah so. exactly so just keep it simple and basic and you know with this people are actually saying like yeah this this could work that, that might actually give them enough power to make this work no yeah i believe that the processing power would be sufficient for that and yeah the stuff that we carry around in our pockets is way more complex than the stuff that they that we use to put people on the moon so yeah um, um, I really like this chapter. Um, I uh, like the explanation with the circuit board flipper. I like the fact that it remembered Yuzuriha and revived her and made her seem yeah. important when they revived her. And uh, also, like the going through it this particular time reminded me of like um, when I was a kid, I had this like uh, this learning thing where it came with like a CD that had like tutorials on stuff where after you like built this like rudimentary circuit board, it would have you do like different experiments with them and stuff. So that took me back to it. Um, so uh, this is like, you know, an actual way that you could like explain to someone like a very basic way of how computers work um, and, and starting off with the very, very basic building blocks. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it like, made learning fun. Good, I remember we did like in high school, we in like computer class, we had a very actually, no, it was like shop class. We had a very basic circuit we had to wire up. And it's like, you know, just basically like lights, like the, what was this like the half adder just on off. But it was cool to learn how it worked. Yeah, I'm a dumb baby. I don't understand how any of this works. <laughs> I just go along. I think with a lot it. of this is going to get confusing for a lot of people in the future. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's talk real quick about Mashal. Magic and Muscles, Chapter 73, Mash Burn Dead in the Summer of Fun. So we open with uh, somebody running away and then being caught by a bunch of sand. And uh, hey, Gehenna's there in order. And uh, this was the person who was controlling the giant, it turns out. So they basically uh, forced him down. And uh, Order's pretty excited. He's like, hey, it seems like you've sided with Mash Burn Dead too. And to think you'd be swayed by such a little show of force. I'm disappointed. I don't accept him. And Gena says, look, I, I never said I did either. Not, you know, fully. But his strength, I mean, you can't really deny it. Even even you're going to have to give it to him at some point. He did fucking, like, throw a giant monster and beat it <laughs> in a tug-of-war match. Like, it, it, come on. You got to give him something at some point. Yeah. We cut over. Several days have passed since the incident. There's been big news. Obviously, the news had to cut away that MASH was the one who kind of stopped the big monster. And instead said it was the Divine Visionaries who did it. But uh, everyone, you know, at the school kind of sort of has an idea about it. Following this event, the Bureau of Magic focused their strengthening, they're, they're focused on strengthening their security and stopping any information from leaking the outside. And Mash, the only one who knew the truth, the one at the center of his incident, was now burdened with his heady knowledge. Went to the beach. <laughs> and he just runs over to the beach. They're just going to hang out and have summer fun. Uh, there's a. Did you, after, like, you know, the apocalypse, go to the beach? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Dot notes like, oh man, hitting the beach in summer is a must. And Mash says, I've never been there before. And every one of the other guys notes that they haven't been there without, they, they, they've been there, but not with friends. And Lemon just watches and is like, all right, so they're losers. <laughs> all of my friends are losers, basically. <laughs> uh, Dot's like, you gotta do, uh, you gotta smash melons when you're on the beach. And uh, I do like that uh, Mash is just like, tis the season. 
So <laughs> Dot pulls up your slaughter melon, and Mash is like, "So I have to smash," and it just immediately attaches itself to his face like a an like an alien. It just starts trying to drain his blood. So uh, immediately Finn's like, "That's horrifying. Why would you bring it here?" And Dot has a blank-eyed stare and says, "Because life is a constant struggle against death." <laughs> <laughs> I I'm so happy though they didn't go like you know watermelons with tentacles. I'm glad they didn't go another direction with that. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's just the weird joke that everyone in Mash is slowly becoming insane. Uh, so uh, I also like that the crushed watermelon afterwards thanks them for crushing it to death. <laughs> Thank you for releasing me from my pain. <laughs> Uh, they basically have some summer fun. Uh, the headmaster is there hanging out in a swimsuit. And everyone's like, I thought you were injured. He's like, no, I'm fine. Just drinking my <laughs> coconut drink. And blood shoots out of his mouth. <laughs> They're like, no, you are injured. Go away. He's like, summer's only once a year. <laughs> it's like, how can you argue with that? Uh, but he just says, as you know, Mash Burn Dead will never know peace unless you are able to defeat Innocent Zero. He possesses not only the most powerful magics of uh, of personal magics, time, but now he has my space magic as well, and he is using forbidden magic to increase his power. Calling Innocent Zero the most powerful magic user in recorded history is no exaggeration. He has and, opened the forbidden door. Yes. And he's guarded by Mash's siblings, each of them a top-tier magic user in their own light. Each one is equal in strength to myself, or greater. A very interesting detail to pull up. Uh, so they're a bunch more stronger. So if you pull it like that, our chances of victory are nearly zero. But we have an unstable element capable of toppling what is normal. That element is Mash. So they know all the things he's super-duper good at. And his absurd strength is basically the chance that he's going to do it. And I love it because Mash then does Steiner math. where he, It literally is it's just a, a Steiner it, math promo. It basically is because uh, Lemon's like, you can't just put Mash against the strongest magic user in the world. He's like, it's okay, Lemon. I either win or I lose. I got a 50-50% chance. And these muscles have never lost. So that bumps me up to 100%. Samoa Joe's... I'm not normal. And Kurt Angle's not even gonna, because he can't beat me. He knows he's not even gonna try. So you Samoa Joe, your chances drastic go down. So you got a 33% chance at best of beating me. <laughs> but you'd say my 75% chance if we did go ahead and you subtract your chance. I got 127 The numbers don't lie. I need to watch more wrestling. <laughs> oh man, you just need to watch that. It doesn't that... make any more sense in context. No, that's great. No, no, no. It's perfect though. I love it. It's the best too, is if you actually find out that match he did just lose it. So it's like it's like one of the best speeches to a pro to a match he then loses in. Oh my god. Well, I mean, it's the ramblings of an insane person. So well, also, Kurt was... Angle wasn't in the match. He got injured, so someone else comes <laughs> into the match. His Steiner math got all screwed up. <laughs> You see, you unbounce the equation. You didn't bounce for X. <laughs> That's Bill's disaster for you. That's sacrifice. Anyway, uh, Matt, uh, Wahlberg's just like, uh, I'm counting on you, Mash. I don't want to leave this to you, but I'm going to do it. And Mash is like, don't worry. I'm going to beat up all the bad guys and being priests of the world. And also, I'm going to graduate together with everyone. 
And then everyone gets really distracted. <laughs> and then Lance is like, Mash, end of semester is coming soon. You're only one failing gray away from expulsion. And he just goes, Oh. Oh. Uh, uh, oh. I love exactly how. Says it like, oh. <laughs> I love how it's like the headmaster's right there. Mash clearly saved the school, but it's like, yeah, but you have an English test next week. And if you fail it, you're just out, dude. Sorry. Don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Hands are tied. <laughs> I think that the only class we've actually seen Mash like doing well in has been PE. So. Of course. Yeah. He'll be okay. He'll be fine. He's I'm sure that it. it is a thing we'll need to see addressed, I think, next chapter. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah. All right. With that fun episode out of the way, let's move on to... The Elusive Samurai, Chapter 27, Wanting to Die, 1334. We get a map of how things have changed in the Shinano province, just kind of like as a recap of what was going on. We see that Sua is actually, uh, Yurishige is actually separated from Yosoburo by the uh, new powers in the area. And so that's part of the reason why he had to send Tokiyuki and company to go and help them out. Of course, everyone is intent on dying in battle to not allow their land to be taken away. And uh, yeah. So freaking uh, Yasaburo Yasa is just going around the camp going, death to everyone, let us all die. Um, and Tokyo is like, how do I talk about this? They're just going, they're just all intent on dying. Um, and then the smiley guard that greeted them outside says, after I'm decapitated, my head will squirm up an enemy, but <laughs> gobble his innards before erupting his from his chest with a smile. So he's crazy. Good to know. Is that, a, is that a yokai thing, or is that just, like, him being crazy? <laughs> There's probably a yokai that does that. Huh? Yeah, I would assume, yeah. Um, however, there is one person in the camp, Shinomiya, who is um, seemingly sane. Because he gets, he wants, asked to see the message from uh, Sua, reads it, and is like, okay, yeah, you know, my, my territory is adjacent to Yasuburo's, and I've come to his aid. And, uh, yeah, it seems like, yes. Yoshiki wants to avoid conflict, um, and it would be a really shame, really big shame if he died. Uh, but he won't heed th that advice. He wants to defend his territory. I mean, there is a safe way to get to out of here, but he doesn't want to listen to it. He and his retainers have always been reckless hotheads. Yet he is an admirable worker when calm. So please don't let him die. Please don't let him die. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, Yasubura just comes over and just like yeah. You gotta tell him. You gotta tell him how we died with honor, kid. Yeah. So Tokyuki looks to his retainers and says, "What do we do?" What? Um. And Fubuki and Kochiro are just like, "You gotta let him fight, dude. You gotta let him fight it out, bro. It's just the one, way, the other way to go about it. You gotta sell him some blood, dude." Um. So, essentially, what they let go, going on is like, we gotta let them fight. But if they go in direct combat, they're just going to be slaughtered because they're so outnumbered. What we need to do is execute a holding action until sunset. And then when they're exhausted from fighting, we can convince them to flee. So they're like, OK, let's get ready and let's go with that plan. We see briefly um, Kakushi is with um, the Kakushis with their troops. Sadamune is not at the battle, but Ichikawa has been sent. The big-eared uh, uh, lieutenant of his is there. And so the Kakushi orders the troops forward. Um, we are also introduced to uh, his his military leader, Yonemaru, 
who starts raining arrows down on people. But before battle can be properly engaged there, we do see a few people like getting brought down by arrows, but a smoke screen goes up as Genba has gone and just set a bunch of uh, straw on fire uh, in difficult to reach places. So the Kikushi's troops have to go and really struggle to clear the burning straw away and they can't have their archers engage in battle. So like, all right, fine, just send our foot troops to go and overwhelm them with numbers, have them go forward the river and go across it. But Fubuki is further upstream ha- and uh, has the reservoir released. So that way they're, they can't cross the river. They're overwhelmed by the flow of water. Um, but Fubuki's still like, we've only just slowed them down. I don't know if we can last until sunset. Um, we see one of Yasuburo's troops fighting with a very vegetable-shaped man. Um, and... Uh, uh, Rather, uh, Yasuburo's troop is the vegetable-shaped man. The bearded guy is his opponent. And Kojiro comes running by and cuts him down very very easily in order to turn that fight. And he's riding around shouting out, Ah, who wants to die next? And Yasuburo says, The messenger's companion fights fiercely! And Tokiyuki is very optimistic for a second. He's like, all right, good. Yeah, good job. Good job, Kojiro. If if you fight well, then then they'll eva- reevaluate us and then they might listen to our advice. But Yasuburo is just like, yeah, you're all going to die with us. Good job, kid. And they're just like, <laughs> yeah, let's go die. We can't let that kid show us up. I'm going to die. So cool. Um, and Yasuburo is bigging up all of his men as they engage in this bloody slaughter, saying, isn't it beautiful? Behold the faces of warriors rejoicing in death. But Tokyuki grabs him by the shoulder and he says, Kojiro is risking his life for you. You need to stop the fight. I have no interest in the manner of your death. And he looks incredibly serious. As we get the end of our chapter, Yasubura looks upset. So There you go. Never read this, but literally the first chapter of this I've ever read. But looks cool, you know. It's generally the attitude I have towards the series. It seems good. Let's see what happens. It's all right. I love that little smiley face talking about chomping his way through that dude's intestines and bursting out through the butt. That's my favorite part, yeah. All right, let's talk really quick about Black Clover, page 302, Convergence of Hope. So Asta is tagged into well to finish things off. She's got to get close, but they summoned a bunch of demons. Uh, We get a uh, shot showing that uh, Rill and Charlotte are going to activate their attacks, but there's still some coming in. But boom, Luck shows up and kicks his way through some of them. So boom, uh, we even get real saying, wow, inspiration just keeps welling up inside of me. Uh, And then someone notes, if only there were one more lightning mage to show the way, this would be even better. Then Raja shows back up. He's practically dead, but he's not. He's going to keep fighting. Or Gaja, I guess his name. I thought it was Raja. Oh, well. Uh, They do actually an extremely cool attack. Like it is visually a very interesting looking attack where they strike and a bunch of arrays come out to shoot lightning from the sky uh, and well drives her sword in and we have a moment of uh, uh, fuck I can't even remember the name of the monster Mechicula. Mechicula is just like yes even if I'm incomplete I'm starting to be impressed but as I thought this is as far as you go and in that shot we realize wow Noel really does not wear anything underneath that dress that is very disturbing to me uh, she needs pants really badly. Oh, God, I just saw that. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, wow. <laughs> uh, but 
She's about to be struck by a bunch of tendrils. She's going to die. But who should show up? But Nozel. And he, he shields Noel in a cage of mercury. And he says, how dare you show yourself in front of my family again? You have no idea how long I've waited for this moment. I think. <laughs> I think. That is all the characters who will show up into this fight. We've had. You have everybody okay. here that needs to be here at this point. It's, you know what I mean? It started with Charlotte and Rill and mm. Gaja, I think. Then Noel yeah. showed up. Then Asta showed up. Then Lux showed up. Now Nozel showed up. So I think we're at seven people for this. Well, keep in mind that it wasn't originally Maggie Kula. It was yes, Vanica. 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 So she also yeah. showed up. Yes. Yeah. And all of her hundreds of uh, puppet oh, things showed up. Many minions, yeah. By the way, is Vanica straight up dead, or did Mega Kula just come out of her? I guess she was. Yes. Go, she was yeah. planning to blow up both uh, her and um, Lola, Lola Pachika, but I, 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 I assume I countering that bomb on Lola Pachika maybe did the same thing on Vanica, or who gives a shit? I guess might be the also like the thought process. It'll be relevant when it's relevant, I guess. But you know, Nozelle's there. Noelle's there. She's got the Saint stage again. I think. Uh, I think we're pretty much where we need to be in this fight at the moment. And Gaja will most likely die as soon as real spell wears off. Yeah. I think we were at, we were supposed to be at last chapter, and uh, now we've just like we're just yeah, it's just too much. Just too much. Just too much. Just too yeah. many people involved. There's too many fingers in this soup, and <laughs> uh, too many cooks. It, it it it's too many and um i i this 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 fight is jerking me around because i'm like it's good it's good it's bad it's good it's bad it'll end eventually and then i'll be able to decide how i actually feel about it for 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 better yeah. or worse I mean, the fight is pretty much like they blow megakula up somehow and it's like no you can't because of this and then somebody else shows up and you know tries to blow her up and it's just like oh that doesn't work because of this and it's just like throwing more and more people at her i'm like okay is is one of these actually going to stick at some point you know what i mean it reminds me too much of aizen is what i'm saying yeah <laughs> yeah don't worry i think on a micro scale very tiny no scale, so. hey nozel in theory has had years and years to prepare for this because he kind of knows the threat so he should he should have something up his sleeve to like this is my counter to you you know and it's something like that oh no i mean like he was like what twelve when that happened. Yeah. So yeah, he had a long time to plan. There, he's like twenty nine now. He's got yeah. All right, let's close this out with Ooh. one piece, chapter one thousand twenty one, Demonio. Uh, so Robin summoned her giant naked torso. <laughs> I love that with uh -huh. lots of arms, and she's fighting Black Maria. And Maria's like, oh, wow, you seem like you're going to exhaust yourself because of all that size. Okay. So uh, the giant Robin starts lashing out with a bunch of her tentacly arms, uh, grabs onto some of Black Maria's spider legs. Uh, uh, but uh, Maria's just like, whatever, and starts swinging her glaive club thing and starts attacking the arms, which, of course, damages Robin because... Her thing summoned by her flower fruit also hurt her. And so, she, yeah, Maria just starts dodging around between the arms, slashing at them with her weapon. And she's like, yeah, you just gave me a bigger target to deal with. Um, and also, she's got freaking poisonous barbs on her legs, too. 
um, which are burning at her hands as well. And then she starts using pun attacks. Yeah. With, <laughs> and she blows her load immediately with the best one. Maria Net. Maria Net. Ah, I love it. I also perfect. thought that might be a pun for Marie Antoinette, but Maria Net is perfect. Yeah. But then she proceeds to Maria apprehend. Okay. All right. All right. Um, definitely not a sexual pose for Giant Robin. Not at all. It's not like it's it, it's not the first time Robin's been in this pose. Unfortunately, I, I, I love. Oh God, I, I love also how there's just lines on her boobs to like. I don't know if they're like she's making hands to like you know, but you know she is naked. She can spawn clothing. We've seen this before, but yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I mean, she couldn't get that detail down, but she could <laughs> replicate her face, I guess. But. Yeah, yeah. It, it reminds me of, like, when Chainsaw Man eventually had to give Rizé underpants, because they were like, someone has to animate this. <laughs> you could have to really do a lot of tricks to avoid how she's fighting this whole thing pantsless. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Maria then puts on some freaking knuckle dusters. And just jumps on the giant Robin and starts going to town on it, just punching it in the face over and over and over again. And she's like, this is great. Eventually, the giant Robin dissipates, and Maria's like, ah, I beat you down. Cool. I think I heard um, Brawla pass out somewhere from excitement. Two, two giant women fighting. Yeah. yeah, and jumping on each other. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Grabbing each other, holding each yep. other in exposing positions. Yeah. Giant yeah. woman. Uh, no, hey, they'll be wrestling soon. So, uh... <laughs> But Robin just kind of redisperses her ability to just summon a bunch of hands around Maria. But she says, Barricade! 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 Biggest stretch. Um, And she just summons, like, a bunch of, like, these webbed barriers in front of herself. And then sets them on fire, too. Marie Arson! The spider can just spit fire, which I just find... That's, like, historically accurate, I'm sure. Yeah. There was an ancient spider. We don't know if it could breathe fire. Yeah, there was a prehistoric spider with poison legs that could breathe fire, and we've never heard about it up until this point. No movie ever decided to feature it. Yep. Also, it has big googly eyes. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that actually is accurate. Sort of like how <laughs> at first we thought raptors were like these sleek things, and then later on they're like, no, they're actually more feathered, like birds. It's one of those yeah. things. Like we thought it was a cool spider at first, and then later on we realized it has giant curved teeth and googly eyes. How Rosamagalia gravigelli had not like become the dominant life form on Earth, I do not know. It's like the it's so powerful. It know? was ahead. It was too ahead of its time. You know. Yeah. 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 Ugh. So now everything is on fire. Maria starts mocking Robin, being like, I thought you said this was going to take long. And, I, and you stuck up for that pathetic Sanji. And now both of you look like idiots if you lose. Um, and Robin's starting to get webs attached to her. She's stuck in place. Flames are looking at her feet. And Maria's like, oh, come on. Can your flowers even bloom while you're on fire? I suppose you'll have to show me. Or do you need that ghostly skeleton to put out the flames again? And Brooke's just like, Shut the fuck up. <laughs> you shouldn't be talking to me right now, lady. <laughs> um, and Maria just starts wailing on the real Robin with her knuckle dusters. And she's like, what are you even good for, demon child? You're the dead weight of your crew. The only thing the greater figures of the world want from you is your brain, not your giant arms and legs. Oh, God. What a put down. <laughs> she's, re she's really shitting on Robin. She's just like, wow, she's going at it. 
What an yeah. insult it is to tell a woman that she's only valuable for her mind. <laughs> um, so as, but as Robin is being wailed on, she has a flashback that gives Koala more character development than she had in her Woo! entire initial appearance. Woo! How she dare you? She was a great character. Everything. She was yeah. shit stuff. And yeah. she came back with a real cute hat and fuck you, Nick. Yeah, she has goggles now, Nick. She had those before. And they were just as precious before as well. Yes, they were, <laughs> yes. And she's being shipped with Sabo 100%. Oh, wow. All right, if you say yeah. so. I did. I mean, she, <laughs> is, she is, but sort of like being shipped with like a... Oh, like a fucking cardboard cutout. <laughs> oh God! It's like being shipped with you know, you know, in the with the golf bags, you know, where you put all the rest of your luggage. It's like being sh- it's like being shipped with that old Conan O'Brien bit where they take a face of a celebrity and they just put like uh, a fucking <laughs> what's his name's lips over it, talking. Yeah, it's basically a picture of Ace with somebody talking behind it, like it's me, Sabo. I'm super cool. Everyone I'm a different me. character. <laughs> I have a dragon claw. <laughs> Um, they're like, I guess, making big good friends with Robin, and they're and Koala's like, you gotta learn how to throw a punch if need be, uh, and they're like, and Sabo's teach after teacher moves and stuff like that. Riku is watching this, saying Robin's joint locks are plenty powerful, and they're like, yeah, but we can't help her once we split up, so we want to be useful, unlike how we've been the entire rest of our appearance here. So Robin's is like, okay, I mean, I guess you could teach me a palm strike then, and so they do. And uh, it turns out that, um, yeah, that was the thing that she used way back at the beginning when they were still on the frickin uh, Thousand Sunny. And they're like, yeah, so we'll teach you how to do a palm strike, which comes from karate, Fishman karate. So Robin uses this technique or a super meal floor version of it to do a palm strike and attack the moon. The ceiling! The ceiling! Close enough to the moon. Which um, collapses down onto the flames and um, wood douses fire, don't you know? So that happens, and then Robin turns into a gargoyle. There's, uh, like, there's like no transition either. It's just the rubble hits, and then boom, she's a demon all of a sudden. Um, it is the giant version of herself, so I guess she could just make it take any form she wants. Yeah, that's the idea. And uh, Maria's like, what the fuck? And Robin just says, I can be a demon if I have to. <laughs> Holy shit, I could do yeah. this the whole time. And she says, I will do it for the people who need me, for the people who are counting on me. And Maria's like, why do you look like that? But she just grabs Maria and says, what was that you said about not needing arms and legs? And then she puts her in the Grand Jacuzzi Clutch. Which is an in the title. That's amazing. Yeah. Which is an octopus stretch. So uh yeah. And Maria um is down for the count because the octopus stretch is a knockout move, as we he, all know. He, he yes. she breaks her damn neck. Like it's like pretty brutal. Yeah. She breaks something. And um, as we all know, characters in One Piece who have had their necks broken are definitely dead. Now I know you could go 100%. back to you could go back to Arlong immediately and have it proven the other way, but he fishmen have two necks, and only one was broken. So she's probably actually dead. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's fine. We'll just, you know, have we'll just have Chopper put some bandages on her neck. Anyway. She'll be alright. Yeah. Um, Maria's, uh, followers are like, holy shit, what the hell just happened? Brooke takes them out with, uh, his, one of his sound moves. It Orchestra! Looks cool. 
Yeah. It, it leaves a triple clef. It looks. Yeah. Yes. Um, and uh, then Robin's like, oh, that took a luck out of me. And she collapses while Brooke attends to her. But before the end of the chapter, we see that Caribou had an important role to play after his appearance last chapter. He had a lot of food that he was hiding away and Luffy's eating all of it now. <laughs> yep. So he'll be good. He's going to uh, get back up on his feet. Meanwhile, Momonosuke is going to talk with Shinobu and says, like, I need to do this. And he asks, please use your ripe, ripe jutsu to turn me into an adult. Presumably so that he will have the abilities of a bigger dragon. Yeah. So that was I, I liked it. I mean, I love Robin. She's like my one of my favorite characters. So like this was an amazing chapter for me. Um, yeah. Yeah, her first real fight since the ever-beloved Yama and Skypea. Yeah, yeah first one-on-one fight since, like, 2004. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, it's awesome. This, to me, reminds me a lot of uh, when Zoro fought Kaku, in that, yeah. like, it was a really cool turnabout with a technique I did not see coming at all, and doesn't fully have an explanation to all of it. Like, I don't... No, if Robin can create anything, I don't know if being a demon makes her stronger. I'm just going to say this. I did a whole video talking about all these different theories. So she turned into a devil and they are devil fruits. <laughs> ah, connection. I don't know. Anything's fair game at this point. I don't know. Devils and demons are distinctly different entities. If you follow the Wizards of the Coast product line. Yeah, they like, are. Yeah. I feel like it would be a great thing to go. Just show someone this one full page spread of Robin putting Maria in the Grand Jacuzzi clutch and ask someone, what is this manga about? <laughs> <laughs> and see if they get anywhere close. <laughs> uh, it's like, oh, it's like uh, about demons? Like, no, it's about pirates, you idiot. Is like, this a sexy monster girl wrestling <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> now we can it was. We can say sometimes. Spider girl, spider girl versus demon girl. Yeah. Damn. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Momo, I mean, this was hinted at a while now that Shinobu could do this. And so Momo's like, hey, I, I, I get like, I kind of like that Momo's not like, I'll become an adult. I'll instantly become brave. He's just like more practically like, I need to be a big ass dragon for this to work. So turn me into an adult so I can be a big dragon to help fight Kaido. Like, I can actually contribute here. So, yeah. Yeah. But Shinobu yeah. does say it's it, it's not reversible. So big decision to make on Momo's part. Yeah. Eh, he'll just be the same age as on his birth certificate finally. So Yeah, finally. He'll be like 20. They'll probably just do the 20 years and then it'll just be, yeah, 30 of them. I like this chapter. A cool fight. And uh, Robin finally got to have a cool fight. So good for her. Bam. All right. That's going to do it. Free the mind. Oh. It's been a, whew, it's a been long a, one. It's been a night, so I think we're going to sign off here after we say what our favorites were this week. Favorite chapter and MVP. Uh, I'm going to give Robin my MVP, because who else would it be? Uh, I guess Bakko had a cool scene this, this week. Um, and then I'm going to give my chapter of the week to... I'm probably going to skip it to One Piece as well. It was a really cool chapter. It's a really cool fight. I'm basic. I'm going to go with, uh, yeah, favorite chapter's got to be Bleach. It's it's back after five years. I mean, come on. And uh, I'm going to go with Robin, too, because she's my fave. Yeah, we're, we're all going for Robin on this, because 
for fuck's sake, she finally did something. <laughs> Have we ever like done that for, with for Robin in the entire? Can someone look in the in the in the archives and okay. tell us if we've ever said Robin MVP in the entire time we've been doing that? We haven't been doing MVP on all ten years of this show, but it's been several years. So, someone congratulations tell me on the ten years, by the way. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Uh, by the way, the audience uh, had Robin as their MVP and One Piece as their chapter of the week, but I also just want to note two people voted for uh, a character MVP of Unahana is dead and never coming back. <laughs> Love you guys. Thanks for not forgetting me. <laughs> we had a little bit of a talk about that, and I, and I explained to everyone, I'm always right when I'm, when I'm wrong. Wrap your head around that. So, uh, but I did not mention my chapter of the week, which is actually going to be Magu. Uh, I really like the stuff that we had in that. It was a nice little, it was a nice beach chapter that uh, had some character featuring that I was not expecting. Uh, if Robin hadn't gotten her moment, I might have honestly given it to Rin because uh, she actually, you know, showed development, which was unexpected. And that's going to do it for Weekly Manga Recaps. So we would like to thank all of you guys for joining us. We record the show here on Wednesdays on twitch.tv slash T, usually starting the recording around 7.30 Eastern time. However, sometimes things happen, like Thor decides not to let us talk about Bleach, so we need to delay stuff. If you want to stay updated on exactly when we're going to start recording the show, you can follow us on Twitter, at RoloT, at NickFTime, at WMR Podcast. Or you can join our Discord server, where we also send out a notification when the stream goes live. You can also participate in discussions on the chapters that we're going to recap, on the series that we are going to be taking as recommendations, such as The Way of the House Husband, which we are currently working on. In case you missed the special episode that Chris and I recorded late last week about Alice in Borderland, be sure you go and listen to that as well. It's a good episode. I don't even know what you said. Most of our episodes think are pretty mediocre. That was a good one. <laughs> Not sure how I feel about that sentiment. Anyway. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, guys. This was a lot of fun. You can, of course, find Teching at his Twitter handle of Teching101 and on his YouTube channel, Teching101. Yeah, I'm very uncreative. You're very on brand. That's the important thing. You'd feel like an idiot if your YouTube was different than your Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> And we want to thank the people who helped make the show possible. Ninja X3i for helping us out in all the various different ways, including maintaining the Google Doc that, of course, we compiled the MVP and favorite series voting on. Uh, you can use that to find out what series we have had recommended to us and ship in your own stuff and ask questions and everything like that. And, of course, we want to thank Steve Manor, Tyler Kadaris. You can check out his work wherever boobs are allowed to be drawn on the Internet. That is uh, Twitter.com slash Steve Art as well. And uh, you did a tile card for us for uh, Alice in Borderland. Go check out yeah. that video version of that. And you can also use YouTube to find to see the opening sequence that has been done for us by Malajek Stilton and Winsdale Shedder. I'd like to note, looked it up. Robin was never MVP for us. Oh, wow. So. There you go. It is a his, an historic occasion. Yeah. Bleach is back and that. Robin is the MVP. That, That's wow. right. The glass ceiling has finally been shattered, Nick. <laughs> she palm thrusted into the glass ceiling. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Being told that people only valued her for her mind. <laughs>